and welcome to the 94th episode of the Cinefessions Podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, my name's Brandon Chowan, and joining me tonight are Ash Collins and Mark Nadeau. Ash, how the hell are you this evening? I think I'll be alright. I am I'm starting to hallucinate a little bit. I'm seeing things yeah. here. I think I'll make it through the podcast. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> Good. I'm glad to hear that. And Mark, how about you? Are you seeing things? Uh, no. Well, the beer in my hand. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny. As you're introducing us, I'm, I'm thinking one day he's going to call me Mark Collins and Ash Nadeau. Because I think I make a great Collins. I'm yeah, I think you would too. And I'm refined. Yeah. And I'm knowledgeable. Mm-hmm. I'd be a sweet, sweet addition. <laughs> Maybe Ash will adopt you one day. Yeah. Because I know Ash couldn't be a Nadeau, so, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Not quite French enough. <laughs> All right, so tonight we are wrapping up the video game arc with a double feature review of Silent Hill from 2006 and its sequel, Silent Hill Revelation from 2012. We're also moving on to round 30 of the Besting the Backlog Challenge, which will actually be the last round of that challenge until we get to episode 101, because of course during the month of June we'll be dedicating that time slot to discuss the featured films of the 6th Annual Cinefessions Summer Screams Challenge. And just as a reminder, that does kick off next week, June 1st. So if you've not joined in yet, definitely go to cinefessions.com and check out the uh, announcement post so that you can then send me a link to your list so you can be part of it, you can win prizes. I talked a great deal about it last week, so if you want to listen to it instead of reading it, go to the last episode of the podcast, um, but you're still going to have to read it anyway, so just go to cinefessions.com and find that. Uh, so that's what we'll be doing in this in that time slot um, for the next few episodes here, so definitely looking forward to that. First, uh, let's talk about social media and how you can follow us outside of just listening to the podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Cinefessions. You can email us at contact at cinefessions.com. And finally, you can leave us a voicemail if you want to be part of an upcoming show at 1-302-448-TALK. That's 1-302-448-8255. You'll have comments, questions, corrections, concerns, whatever. So reach out to us and talk film with us on any of those platforms listed above. And also, make sure you're following our Cinefessions Instagram account where Mark posts loads of film reviews and we talk about media pickups, all that fun stuff. So definitely give that a follow if you've not done so yet. And you can also like our Facebook page at facebook.com backslash Cinefessions and check out our long list of past reviews and all the previous 93 podcast episodes at Cinefessions.com. All right, so Ash, let's dive right in. What have you been up to this past week? <clears throat> Just be careful where you're diving. <laughs> I'm not going head first, so I'll be okay. all right. All right. Um, let's see. Uh, been watching more Parks and Rec. Um, into season six now. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, eight episodes into season six. Okay. Um, so, getting close to the end of season six, and uh, see, I think season seven's the last one. So, uh, and then I'll have to find something else to binge. Um, but so we've been watching that. <laughs> um, watched a horror flick called The Charnel House. Uh, came out. The Charnel. How to yeah, spell the, that? The Charnel House or Charnel House, whatever. Uh, it came out in uh, 2016. Um, 
this guy buys a slaughterhouse and decides to turn it into trendy lofts. Uh, and that's when everybody who's moving in finds out that the um, place maybe isn't uh, quite up to specs. You know, it's a little haunted. <laughs> um, it's and, and yeah, and it wasn't Sean Bean this time. Um, <laughs> uh, it's actually it was pretty decent. Uh, I was surprised. Uh, it's not there. There's some neat little things they do with it. Um, some of the stuff you could see coming a mile away, the deaths, but they're a lot more gruesome than I thought they would be, mm-hmm. uh, which was kind of cool. Um, but it was just kind of like, kind of like, bam. Oh, okay. They went there. All right. Um, but uh, no, the, the acting's not bad. It's kind of interesting and it's just kind of a neat take on it. So I gave it a Netflix thumbs up. Uh, so Excellent. I don't, know, like, I don't know what I'd rate it. I don't know. I think it was worth a watch if you're looking for a, a haunted house type of thriller. Mm-hmm. Supernatural building, yeah. The building is fucking awesome. Uh, when when he got it done, it, yeah, I would love to live in that building, minus the haunting, of course. Uh, <laughs> I just have I have to point out though that this this director also b- directed the Badass trilogy with Danny Trejo and Breaking Wind. One of the uh, like he does a couple of those parody films that are atrocious. So hopefully this is better than those. Yeah, it's not. It's not uh it's not too bad. There's a couple of iffy effect shots, but overall the budget looks pretty good. Um mm. so it's not bad. I it's on Netflix, so you know, it's you can stream it for, you know, as long as you're paying for Netflix anyway. Right, yeah. Uh, uh let's see what else did I watch? Oh, uh watch the next episode of um Handmaid's Tale. I think we've got one left next week. I think they only won eight episodes this season. I'm not sure. Might be ten. I I'm confused. Um, <laughs> so so we're getting close. Yeah, it was it was it was a different take on on it. Like it up until this point, it had been following um, uh, Alfred, uh, who's the who was the main character uh, or is the main character rather. Um, but it flips over. And follow somebody else, and I can't say who because it would be kind of a spoiler. Um, oh, okay. But it kind of follows. It follows this other person's take from basically like uh, from the other side of things. Um, so that was kind of neat. Um, there, there's ten episodes but, in this season for that one. So you have that through the middle of June. Ah, okay. So I got a, I got a couple more or three three more weeks to go. That's sweet. Yeah. Um, the other thing we started watching, and I I mentioned, and the only reason we started watching it because uh, my wife watched the first episode, and she's like, "Wow, that was pretty good." And uh, I was like, "All right, yeah, I was interested in watching." And then I happened to notice while we were queuing up uh, Handmaid's Tale today that it's leaving Hulu in like three days. So if you wanted to give Legion a shot and have Hulu, now would be the time because it will not be there after the next three days. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It was kind of funny, though, because my mom or uh, yeah, my wife here is this Marvel loving fangirl. She poo poos my DC Universe stuff all every chance she gets. She sat down and watched the first episode of Legion and had no idea it's tied to the X-Men. <laughs> like halfway through the episode and then she's like oh yeah hmm. that's awesome yeah yeah and she even had the moment she's like oh he's named david just like legion and marvel <laughs> yeah um yeah it, legion is trippy as fuck 
it is fun, trippy as fuck. But like the first episode, you're gonna be sitting there going, "What the hell is going on?" Yeah, he's it's just like wow. Uh, but they filmed it, it the way they film it. It feels like a 1960s like British movie. Just like the hmm. look, the color choices, and stuff like that, and the way they shot things, it, it, it feels very nostalgic, and it's very interesting because of that. I think that adds to it. But yeah, the the actor that they've got playing Legion is fantastic. Oh my god, because uh, he's he's supposed to be insane, and he fits the bill perfectly. He's great. <laughs> yeah, and the uh, one of the the. Um, the the woman who played April in Parks and Recreation is in it as one of his uh, insane asylum buddies. So, oh, okay, <laughs> so, nice. So I got a kick out of that. Uh, but uh, yeah, definitely. Uh, if you were kind of on the fence about Legion, just from like the first episode and most of the second episode I've watched, it is awesome. So definitely, cool. if you like the X Men movies, give it a shot because it is tied into them somehow. I think it's just set in the same universe. I don't know that we're actually going to see like crossover between the two because it's kind of like an underground thing going on but uh okay and we might in the future i don't know awesome very cool oh i did buy, okay i did buy alien uh isolation finally so on oh nice sale that expired earlier this week so and i did warn you guys about it and my dear listeners about it like what last week yeah, we talked about it last week, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, if you didn't buy oils on sale, it's your own damn fault. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I got that downloaded, so I'll have to play that this weekend. Yeah, that's one I think we were talking about in our chat that I've owned since I've had my Xbox One, and it's still sitting wrapped, less sealed. Like, I haven't even uh, haven't even opened it yet. Yeah, but surprise, surprise me, too. Yeah, right, exactly. It's what we do. Yeah, so uh, I'll, I'll jump in here next. So, um Last week I talked about how I've been watching, um, uh, what's his name, uh, Angry Video Game Nerd on YouTube. Well, these past couple uh, weeks, or I guess this past week more so than anything, um, on YouTube, I've actually started watching um, what's the Lazy Game Reviews or Lazy Game Reviewer, LGR. Um, he's okay. a YouTuber who reviews PC games and usually older PC games. Um well, I've been going through like a bunch of his old shit, and because of that, I got the urge to start playing some of these older PC games that he talks about. Okay. And um, fortunately, a lot of this stuff that I wanted to play is obscenely cheap on Steam or um, GOG.com, GoodOldGames.com, or GoodOldGaming.com, whatever the hell it stands for. And um, I was able to get a, a handful of games for really, really cheap. So most of that stuff's like the first-person shooters, like Blood. Um, which I've always heard about, never played, uh, Wolfenstein 3D, Fear. Um, and actually, I own Wolfenstein on Xbox 360 slash Xbox One, but um, the the old version, but it was part of like a trilogy that was like $1.49, or maybe it was $2.99, and it came with um, Wolfenstein 3D, um, whatever the, the sequel was to it, in between that and Return to Wolfenstein. Uh, I can't remember what the second game was called. It was a different title, oh, but uh, yeah, it's a it's a weapon, isn't it? Like the something scepter or uh... yeah, it, it might be. Man, I could just pull up my Steam. I honestly don't remember. Uh, yeah. It's yeah, it's like three words. I didn't even have actually a spear of destiny. That's it. Ah, yep. scepter. I was close. You were. You were really close. <laughs> okay. But yeah, and so and 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 then fear. I actually got. I think it was like through BundleStars.com. They had fear. Uh, the Steam version of Fear, Fear 2, and Fear 3 with, like, expansions for Fear 2, I believe. Uh, it was, um, I 
shit, I want to say I paid $3.99 for it. I mean, that's so fucking cheap. And I I prefer using a controller over the mouse and, um, you know, like keyboard. Um, mm-hmm. And so I'm sure I haven't tried it yet on fear, but I'm sure on some of them I'll, I'll be able to, but just got to, you know, program them to do that. Um, but I also bought some strategy games, which I've always, which I always enjoy, but I just don't play them nearly as much as I'd like to. Um, I ended up grabbing Roller Coaster Tycoon 2 for less than $4, which is supposed to be like the best of that series. And I used to love the original way back when. So I'm sure I'm going to enjoy that one when I get to it. Um, but the other one I bought was Cities Skylines, which is basically everything that people wanted SimCity um, whatever the reboot was, like 2013 or 2014, I, f- I forget which year it came out. Um, but everything they wanted that SimCity to be is what City Skylines is. It, because that SimCity was universally disliked just because it severely limited the scope of, of what you're able to do with your city. And these are obviously city building Sims, if you don't know what they are. Yeah. Um, and then like the SimCity re, or not reboot, but just basically SimCity 5, it was plagued with a bunch of bugs when it was released. And they fixed a lot of it since then, but it's still really small maps compared to what you're used to in like SimCity 4, SimCity 3000. Um, but C- C- uh, City Skylines takes like the best of SimCity and then adds these updated 3D graphics. Um, but keeps these super large maps. So it's kind of like a mix of them and it's really, really good. I just started playing a couple of hours, but I'm having a blast and I definitely see myself playing this a lot. I'm actually off all next week. Thank fucking God. And so I see myself playing this a lot next week. Um, uh, in, in the city I started, I actually ended up getting myself like $50,000 in the hole, um, even after taking out two loans and thought I'd have to scrap the whole thing and start anew. But last night I ended up raising the taxes and voila, I'm already about 50K in the black. So <laughs> I'm going to stick with my current city and see what I can do with what I've gotten so far. Um, it's, it's a, it's a nice diversion from uh, all the sports titles and the first person shooters I normally play. So I'm enjoying it a, a ton. Um, on the uh, movie front, I ended up watching something that uh, wasn't for the podcast this week, believe it or not, and it was um, pretty damn random. Actually, Bridge and I were looking through our movies, and we came across the remake of House of Wax from 2005. Um, now, this Good. one this one has uh, Paris Hilton, Alicia Cuthbert, Chad Michael Murray, Brian Van Holt. Uh, those are kind of the main players there. And I actually did not watch this one before because I was waiting to watch Tourist Trap from 1979 first. Um, well, I finally watched that one earlier this year and I talked about that one. Um, and that may sound weird if you don't know why I'm saying that, but it's because I've always heard that House of Wax was actually more of a remake of Tourist Trap than of the original House of Wax. So I wanted to see that one first, which I, like I said, I ended up watching that one earlier this year. Um, and I can definitely see how people call this a remake of Tourist Trap. It feels that way a lot. Um, but, I would argue that it's actually a much better movie than Tourist Trap. Um, frankly, I think this one is another underrated horror remake from the 2000s. I thought Paris Hilton was, was fine in it. And I always love Alicia Cuthbert. Um, there was enough gore to make the gore hounds happy. There was some genuinely creepy moments and a good use of a few jump scares. The only part that shows its age is the, um, the use of the CGI towards the end. Uh, but frankly, even that wasn't 
that terrible. I mean, yeah, it's not looking great, but it wasn't horrible. It didn't completely take me out of it. Um, and, and the whole effect though, I mean, it's incredibly ambitious what they're doing, which I don't want to spoil anything for spoilers, but I, I can always appreciate when it's trying to be ambitious and it definitely was. It does feel a little longer than it needs to be, but still, I really enjoyed this one a lot more than I expected to just from everything I've heard about it over the years. I've always, I've only heard negative things. And so, um, now I realize that I am a huge horror remake apologist, but <laughs> House of Wax is a genuinely good movie that I think gets a lot of hate because people see Paris Hilton's name on it and her image on the poster and they don't give it a chance. But if you like the, the 2000s era of horror films, which when I think about it, which I hadn't, I just thought about it now is probably one of my favorite recent eras of horror uh, because that's really when I kind of became obsessed with the genre was that time. Uh, and so if you like f- films from that era, the 2000s era, and, and you go into this one with an open mind, you might actually end up liking it. Um, I ended up giving it three out of four stars. Have you guys seen this one? Yes, I oh, have. Yeah. Uh, okay. I did you guys did a, did a good job in that. Yeah, I liked um, her. She, she's actually really good in uh, Repo, the genetic opera also. Oh, is she in that? I've seen that, but I don't remember yeah, her being she in it. Is. She plays she plays uh, the the big uh, corporation's daughter um, in oh, that. Okay. I didn't uh, like that movie. And then um, she's also and if you and if you want a smaller dose of her and and want to see what she can do, she actually ends up playing an evil version of herself in a supernatural episode. Oh, okay, that's interesting. Huh? What about you, um, Mark? What were your thoughts on that one? Yeah, I really liked it. Oh, good. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm not alone. Uh, and you know what? I don't know what's up with me right now, but I'm really getting into like late 90s, 2000 films again. Mm-hmm. You know, we're like, oh, yeah, I love 80s horror and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, absolutely. I'm starting now because it's been 20 plus years. I'm really getting to like 90s horror and 2000 horror, you know? Yeah. And uh, I thought House of Wax was actually really decent. Yeah. Um, I'm glad that we're all kind of on the same page with that one. Yeah, <laughs> and you know, yeah, this is a movie that Paris Hilton dies. Um, she wasn't bad, you know. Yeah, people. I think people did not like her back then just because of the overexposure with this real life and all that stuff. That you know, absolutely could be. Yeah, and definitely. If I have to look back now. I'd rather have her than Kim Kardashian because I find Kardashian oh, even yeah. worse than she is. Mm-hmm. Um, just in terms of exposure and just you know, right. Just the whoring out of her name, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's it's on everything, it's everywhere. It's kind of gross, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so in retrospect, Hilton wasn't that bad, you know. Right? Yeah. Uh, so yeah, actually, I think it got more hate because of her being in the film than yeah, mm-hmm. people appreciating the film for what it was. Yeah. It's pretty decent. So yeah, I I think I caught part of it maybe a few months ago on TV while at work mm-hmm. and I was really digging it and I've got it on DVD. I wouldn't mind checking it out again. Yeah. Um, just because I think it's better than what people perceived it was when it first got released. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Cool. I ended up, I ended up uh, the only reason I ended up watching it, like this was around when it first came out on, on, uh, on, uh, video was uh we went to one of our our local haunted house and mm-hmm. uh they have like a line you know because they're they're popular <laughs> so he had yeah. movies yeah he had movies playing uh 
and he had like Wrong Turn one year, and you know, like he you know, like he had like a whole bunch of different horror classics. Yeah, Chainsaw Massacre another year, but then he had House of Wax the one year, the remake, and I'm like, as I started watching, I'm like, this isn't actually that bad. I need to watch this, so we ended up mm-hmm. running it. <laughs> okay. Good, yeah. So I, I, hopefully somebody else hears us talking about it that hasn't seen it and gives it a chance, and then uh, hopefully they enjoy it. So excellent. Uh, so I got one last thing to talk about here. So um, one of my goals this year was to read 26 graphic novels or 130 issues, comic issues, and I finally kind of dove headfirst into that this week. Um, I was randomly going through a humble bundle pack that I bought. Man, I don't know, maybe a year ago. Maybe a little more. I don't even know. Um, but I was looking for something to add to my phone to read at work. Um, and I came across Outcast. So Outcast is a Robert Kirkman story. Um, and the art is by Paul Azaketa, I believe. Paul Azaketa. Um, and it's one that I've been wanting to read for a while. I actually started it a while back. I made it like three pages in the first time I started reading. And it just, it, it didn't catch me. It didn't grab me at all. And so I just, I put it down and moved on to something else. Um, well, this time, Thanks to the uh, boredom of work, I stuck with it through the first issue and then was hooked. Um, it's it's about a pra- about the protagonist um, Kyle Barnes and um, the people around him. They tend to get possessed by something, and um, by chance he kind of teams up with this preacher, and from there the story kind of gets complicated. And frankly, I don't want to say too much more because I don't want to spoil it at all. Um, it's actually a new television series. Um, if you have heard of it and hadn't heard of it because of the graphic novel, um, in the first season of the show, it actually covers the first two trade paperback volumes of the comic series. Um, what sucks though is that I've read through now all four volumes that are available in trade form and I just want to read more, but I really don't, but it's, I don't, it's ongoing and like, I don't want to spend the money on the separate issues, spending whatever four to five bucks per issue when I can just wait until it's all done and spend, like I bought these volumes for five bucks off Amazon, the um, volume two and three were five bucks each. So, I mean, that's so cheap. I don't want to spend five bucks on one issue when you get five, you know, stupid or six actually. Um, And that's, that's why I like, I prefer reading stories that are already completed so that I don't eventually run into the wall without any conclusions. Um, and so that's what I'm uh, mad about myself for starting Outcast. But I'm actually really glad I did because it's it's a really solid story. Um, the artwork seems to get better as it progresses. Like it's good in the beginning, don't get me wrong. But this last volume in particular, I thought the artwork was just stunning. It was so good. Um, and the story is getting more and more interesting as it goes on. Uh, it's, it's definitely worth checking out if you haven't. Um, and like I said, you can get the first volume. I, I bought it off, uh, like a humble bundle pack. And so I paid virtually very little for it. Um, but you can get it on Amazon for like less than 10 bucks. I want to say like seven bucks or something. And then I bought volume two and three for my Kindle through Comixology. Um, and it was only, like I said, four bucks each. So I mean, definitely worth it. Uh, and if you're interested in this kind of, kind of a, uh, like possession story, it definitely has religious themes in it. But I really like how they're handling it because I'm, I am not a religious person at all. It's not something I'm interested in. Um, and if it's overly preachy, that bugs the fuck out of me. But man, I love how they handle all the characters in this and how they handle that aspect of it, especially. Uh, so I definitely recommend it. Okay. You know what you need to add to your list if you haven't bought any of it already is Preacher. 
I think yeah, I love the shit out of that. I want to buy it as well. And I know on Amazon.ca, I've had it on my wish list for, or actually in my basket for such a long time. Uh, they've got volume one in hardcover. I'm not sure how many uh, issues it collects, but it's a pretty thick book. At one point, it, it was about 141 uh, Canadian. And right now it's at, uh, let's go back here. Oh, okay, it's back at 131. I, last week, it was, it was at 103, and I almost bought it, and I didn't, and kind of punching myself. But yeah, it's Absolute Preacher Volume 1, Heart, and I'm a sucker for hardcover books. Mm-hmm. And this covers, I don't even know how many pages it is. Uh, it came out in July of last year, uh, and it doesn't say here. But um, Most likely, the I would imagine, probably the first two trade paperbacks, which, so, I mean, there's probably about 10 to 12 issues in it without at, looking it up and just guessing. At least, right? Um, yeah, it doesn't yeah. say how many pages. Uh, oh, here we go. Book link, 736 pages. Holy crap. So, it's an yeah. absolute edition, though. So uh, the absolute, absolute editions used to have a lot of, um, they usually have a lot of like special features, quote unquote, like added uh, material and shit in there that for fans, you know, because that's. Yeah. So it's got a list price these. of 172 Canadian. So that's probably like 125 US. And I've seen it go down to like 103. So I'm going to okay. keep my eye on it when I have a, a little yeah. spare cash. But it's it's uh, issues one through 26. So yeah. it's like four volumes. Yeah, that's. Yeah, actually, that's uh, that's about the uh, the span of it that I read because it came out while I was in college, and one of my buddies okay. uh, from college was reading the shit out of it, so he had it mm-hmm. in single issues. Oh, oh my okay. god, it is fucking awesome! <laughs> yeah, you know, I own the first two volumes, and they're sitting upstairs. I just haven't uh, haven't read them yet. Yeah, I it I think the preacher TV show kind of gets it, but it's mm-hmm. not. It's not as good, I don't think. Uh, I mean, I like the TV show, but the comic books were fucking awesome. So, see, and I disregarded the uh, the comic books when I was collecting comics because it came out around the same time when I was collecting. And I want to read it now because of the TV show. Like I've always heard it was good, but I really dug season one, and apparently it does not compare to what was actually in the actual series run. So hmm. uh, I really want to get my hands on that eventually. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's it, it's actually the I I would say that the preacher TV show is slightly tamer than the comic book by okay. a little bit because uh, the comic book could get fucking grisly. Mm. <laughs> it's just oh my god, yeah. And that's like I'm really liking Kirkman's writing, and so like in that in, uh, humble bundle that I bought, um, Invincibles was in there, and I think it's like the first. I think it's actually the entire run of Invincibles, and he wrote that too. And I think that one, I, I want to, I could be wrong. I think that was his first one, and then he did Walking Dead. Um, but I, I'm kind of just pulling shit out of my ass at this one, but I think that's right. Um, and then I, I actually own like uh, an Omnibus, the Volume One Omnibus for. Um, uh, Walking Dead, which I I haven't read, um, I've only seen you know up to what season four I guess of the TV series, but that's one yeah. I really would like to to get into also. But it's just I'm reading these because I'm sitting at work tr- trying not to fucking like you know trying to pass time and uh and so that's easy when it's on my phone, but if it's sitting up in my attic in a giant form, like I don't I just haven't gotten to that yet, you know. So yeah. I but, love collected editions. <laughs> I just do. <laughs> I just look nice on your shelf. And- I really, really want to buy an absolute edition and a um, 
the uh, whatever the Marvel uh, equivalent is sure. that I'm yeah. forgetting the yeah. name of. But yeah. There's a local bookstore. It's a used bookstore that, funny enough, is across from the Mayfair. And it's called Black Squirrel Books. And they've got like these trade paperbacks and they're heavily discounted. Um, I got one for my birthday last year, which I haven't even looked at yet. That's why I'm not buying The Preacher because I feel I should buy, I should read what I've got so far. Oh, yeah. They got got you Batman Inc., right? Exactly. Batman Inc. Batman Inc. I still haven't read it yet. And I I mean to, Mm -hmm. you know. But I'm a, to be honest, I'm a kind of afraid to damage the book by opening it. You know, like how <laughs> you just start fucking up with the with the with the with the spine. You know, depending on how the books laid on the table, and I'm just so anal about yeah. that shit. You know, but that's what they do really well in these. Uh, at least, for, I, again, I don't own any of these, but I've done a ton of research or uh, looked at these because I've been wanting to for years now. And so I like watched a bunch of videos on them and which one do I want and yada, yada, yada. But like the Absolute Editions, that's one thing that they're really good at is they have the spine doesn't like crease on you or anything. And so you can actually, they are readable, readable versions. And you're not losing in the middle of the book because if you have like a full page spread, yeah. you would, you know, in some of the lesser quality books, you're going to lose the very middle of the image. Well, in these like absolute editions and the yeah. uh, deluxe editions are what Marvel has and those, then you're not losing those because you know the way the binding is, it just, it's made for that specifically. So, you know, I think I'm worried funny because I don't want to read the books because I want to damage them. But then I don't want to <laughs> buy books digitally because I want to own them. <laughs> so <what> the <laughs> <fuck>? <laughs> oh, right. Yeah. It's hilarious. Yeah. I need to get my first absolute edition or or deluxe edition. I really need to. They're just nice. Yeah. You know, everything's collected. I, I mm-hmm. love them. I want uh, – the one I was thinking about getting uh, was um, Absolute Hush, Batman's Hush. Because I've heard oh, that story is excellent. Hush is f- well, not to repeat myself, but Hush is fucking awesome. Yeah. <laughs> That's Jim Lee who does the art. I've always been a fan of Jim Lee's yeah, work. It, mm-hmm. um, it, it, Hush is awesome because it, it basically, they managed to cram almost every Batman villain into it. And they make it plausible as opposed to, oh, they're teaming up against him. No, he's actually like out doing shit. Uh, but yeah, they, it's, it's neat. It's got a good storyline and it, it's pretty well written. Um, I think honestly, that one uh, and uh, Long Halloween are probably my two favorites behind uh, what that's, Scott Snyder did with the run. So, and New Fifty. Yeah, that's uh, New a 50. great story. I'm a big fan of Long Halloween as well. It's really, oh yeah, good. yeah, yeah. I like I liked Long Halloween as well. All right, so that's that's it for my week. All the big things. So, Mark, how about you? Oh, I might have watched a thing or two. Um, <laughs> so. I've completely um, fallen off the scream train. Um, Hopefully, I I was hoping that I'd be able to watch some of this stuff at work, and I just haven't. And with my other challenges, it's kind of fallen to the wayside. So I haven't updated anything regarding Scream Season 2 because I just haven't watched any for like the last two episodes. Um, So I have to get that done before next episode uh, because uh, June is fast approaching um i'll start with movies i saw at the theater okay um so last time i had seen guardians 2 i think the only one i've seen this time i saw the new alien covenant which uh again i'm not going to spoil anything um but they do have a few prologues on youtube that if you want to watch them ahead of time it kind of gives a little more background on the characters 
I would suggest to only watch the one about the uh, crew of the Covenant, not to watch the rest. Apparently, I've only watched two. Apparently, there's like three, and then some like uh, you know diary videos that they did for the characters on on the ship. I didn't see those when I did a quick uh, YouTube search. Um, I found that one of the prologues kind of spoils a appearance later on, so I was kind of bummed out by that. Uh, that said, the film is really good. If you're looking at a Prometheus compared to like the Alien series, I'd say it's like a 40-60 merge of it. So there's a there's like there's elements of Prometheus, but then there's the what we know of the Alien universe uh, present in the film. Um, so I liked it a lot. Uh, I thought the special effects were really cool. Um, again, not trying to spoil anything here. Um, so I'm being very vague, but mm-hmm. I really dug the whole film. Um, I think it's worth checking out. If you're a fan of the alien mythology, there's no reason why you wouldn't like this one. I had avoided a lot of um, reviews and, uh, I guess, blog entries regarding the film. Um, and I hadn't seen very many since because it's been a week now since it's been out. But I don't get the hate that yeah. I've noticed on Twitter. Um you just like it's at a point now that there's so much film critique online. Mm-hmm. Everybody has to ha- have their own angle. Everybody, hate, you know, there's some people online they they just hate everything. And <laughs> right. I don't know why they follow them because they're so depressed. They can't be happy, mm-hmm. you know. Something like something. Oh, it's not that good, you know. Oh, I've seen better. Like I, I honestly don't know why I follow these people. <laughs> um, uh, because I, I didn't find anything wrong with the film, and I'm sure now. Uh, you know, people might, you know, come on me on Twitter saying, Hey, well, how about this, this, this? And honestly, I enjoyed the ride. I paid my $8 for an AVX screening because that was the closest thing to me. And, uh, I got the great sound, great picture. And, uh, I enjoy, I immersed myself in the world for two hours and it flew by like that. Like I, next thing I know, the film's over and I really dug it. Um, I found some stuff a little predictable, you know. Uh, but again, um, that's all I want to say. So I wasn't, I wasn't super blown away by it. I wasn't disappointed. I just enjoyed my ride. So that's a uh, covenant for you. Um, if I guess really Scott said he, well, he there's got another three films in him or he's, he mapped out five films total and Prometheus was one and this was two. So if there oh, are wow. three more, uh, yeah, I'm game for it. I, I dug it. So, so yay. Cool. Oh, and Danny McBride in it. You know, a lot of people are hating on Danny McBride because he's uh, working on the Halloween remake and right. you know about horror movies, but he's in this one. Um, I thought he was perfectly fine in this one. You know, it wasn't hateable, wasn't, uh, you know, mm-hmm. he, he, not that he's typecast, but he's a bit like Michael Sarah. you know, when right. you see Michael Sarah in the film, he's playing a Michael Sarah role or a variation mm-hmm. of Michael Sarah. I find Danny McBride is a bit of the same way. Yeah, definitely. You know? I would agree. He plays, he, he, I, I find he plays a lot of himself. Again, I don't know him personally, so I really don't know how he is in mm-hmm. real life. Uh, but, you know, if you look at the spoofing he does in This Is The End and his yeah. characters in a foot fist way and he's bound and down, which I haven't watched yet, but, you know, you just know about him. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, those are comedic uh, extremes of his person, of the character that he has or maybe the picture of himself that he portrays uh, to, you know, to us folk. Um, so I find he's got a, a bit of a similar sheen to him. 
like I see why he's casting this in this role. It just it suits his personality. So leave it at that. Uh, but I liked it. I liked everybody in the film. Um, yeah, so that's that. So I would recommend the Alien Covenant. It was really good. Oh, and plus they do use a lot of the of the musical cues that were used in the previous films. Mm-hmm. Which uh, I just I like the the theme. Like I like the music. So at some points I got goosebumps. You know. Yeah. Cool. And, uh, yeah. So that's that. Um, I am not going to go through everything I've seen just because I've seen a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'd like to announce that I have finished my second leg of my Alpha Tazuta Alpha Challenge. Woo, woo, woo. So Hell I yeah. am technically 33.333% done my challenge <laughs> uh, with uh, just uh, over 50% of the year left. Right. <laughs> so that's going to be a strong 66%. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yes, yeah, so I finished all the films on Midnight Pulp for this challenge. Um, there's a few I'd like to speak about. Um, so I did watch, uh, the disco exorcist. So I had mentioned last week that this was on my list and I'm looking at IMDb and one of the writers of this film, first of all, it's the disco exorcist from 2011. Um, it's directed by Richard Griffin. One of the writers who did revisions on the, on the, uh, script is, uh, Ted Geo, uh, Geogian. He's the one who directed, um, Shit. What was that movie? Uh, son of a bitch. Okay, now I got to click here. So you're going to hear me clicking. Uh, <laughs> we are still here. Is it We Are Still Here? Yes, We Are Still Here. Okay. You know that movie with Barbara yeah. Cramden? And, yeah. yeah so, uh, it, yeah. so I did not know ahead of time that he did script revisions on this. So that's kind of cool. Um, I am not a fan of indie films where they go for the fake greenhouse look. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, where they add the, the filters to make it look like it was filmed on film and it's, you know, been in a canister for decades. I, I don't like that look. Uh, so this is one of them. But the acting was actually pretty decent. Okay. And there's actually quite a bit of nudity and like good oh. nudity. So <laughs> uh, the thing with these movies, a lot of time, you know, they try to do like the heroes of Grindhouse character, like, oh, he's, you know, he's burdened with this task or, you know, he's gritty like uh, like an ash or something where he's traveled the world, you know, beating up demons. Well, in this one, th- it's a swinger. The guy is a disco king <laughs> of his local uh, discotheque and he just bangs a lot of chicks and then leaves <laughs> them because he's looking for his true love and he can only find his true love by, you know, betting a lot of women. <laughs> um, so I can relate. Anyway, right. uh, <laughs> yeah, so uh, so in, in this case here, he picks up a girl, and they had a great night. They go to the discotheque next night, and then he finds uh, the girl of his dreams. So he goes to bed with that girl, but pisses off the, the girl that he was with the night before. And mm-hmm. so now she hatches him because she's a black magic witch. Um, so then there's, you know, uh, there's voodoo curses and whatnot and whatever. And the girl that he likes is a porn star. So obviously he visits her on the porn set, becomes a porn star, which is one of my favorite scenes because the director of, uh, of the porn films, his name is, I just got to go back here. It's all in my, uh, it's all in my, uh, review. Um, his name is Bernie Munghat. <laughs> okay. And the actor, uh, portraying Bernie, uh, is by the name of Babette Bombshell. 
which I do not believe it's his real name. That said, the way he played the director role was uh, very similar to like a Chris Farley style character, at least oh, with the okay. mannerisms. Um, I thought Babette was hilarious in this film. Uh, mm. One of the better parts of the movie, apart from the nudity. Um, so, yeah, I actually really dug this. The only shitty part is like, you know, the movie's called The Disco Exorcist. So I'm assuming it's either a, a priest who goes to discotheques mm-hmm. and performs exorcisms, <laughs> you know, or uh, or it's just a guy who does exorcisms at a disco. doesn't have to be a priest. But pretty much, long story short, an exorcism is needed at a disco and it's performed. But it's not really oh, okay. at the disco. It's done at an orgy. Oh. But with disco goers. So the title does... I, I was kind of hoping for like a, a disco priest. Let's be honest. I really was. No bottoms and the hustle and everything. And I didn't get that. But uh, the main uh, direct, uh, the main uh, uh, character, her name is Rex Romansky, played by Michael Reed. I thought he had great screen presence. Um, for being such a male slut, um, he's still kind of likable. You know, uh, <laughs> I, I kind of, I enjoyed his plight in this film. Um so yeah, again, not a fan of these uh, indie uh, indie grindhouse full films a lot, but this one really uh, interested me a lot. It was really good. Uh, the comedy is kind of hit and miss. The horror is kind of like you know DIY, but uh, yeah, I kind of I kind of liked it. So uh, I would suggest to check that out. Um, oh man, so review came out today, which is yesterday. If you're listening to this tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for that. I watched, and this was the film I wanted to watch since I decided to do a Midnight Pulp uh, leg of this uh, challenge. Black Roses from 1988. It's a heavy metal satanic horror film. So this band called the Black Roses, they go to these small towns and they do like three, four night concerts. So they do like a concert for three, four nights straight. And as the concerts progress, the kids get entranced and they all become minions of hell. They eventually, by the last concert, they get transformed and then the band moves on. So they get more hell, hellish followers. Hmm. So the movie starts and you're seeing the town before where a film is set. And they're in full monster makeup, rocking on stage to some heavy metal. That's actually really decent. It, like It actually sounds good. <laughs> Nice. Um, so then, you know, they come to the next town and they start over again. So, you know, the parents are pissed off. Like, ah, well, you know, satanic. Because this came on 88 during the whole satanic panic craze yeah, of the 80s. Right? right. So the parents obviously hate the rock music because of its lyrical content, which is all hell and demons and whatever. And oddly enough, the mayor of the town is like, listen, guys, when we were kids, we went through the same phases with the Beatles and our long hair. So let the kids enjoy the music. <laughs> Which I was surprised. I'm thinking it's the mayor. He'll want to run these guys out of town, blah, blah, blah. It never happened. So I'm like, that's kind of cool. I would not expect that. Um, The hero of the movie is an English teacher who is, you know, friends with all the kids. And there's a rumor that one of the, he's sleeping one of his students, which I still don't know if it's real or not, because he has a really keen uh, fascination with one. Mm-hmm. But there's no indication really if they've slept together or if anything illicit has happened. 
Hmm. But he's walking a really cool porn stash, so I'm assuming he did. <laughs> <laughs> you know? um, Absolutely. Yeah. So, of course, you know, they're all good kids. And then the first night of uh, music happens. They go back to school. They're feeling a different concert again. They're starting to kill people. Like, it really ramps up pretty fast. And there's a cameo by Vincent uh, Pastillor, Pastillary, the guy, one of the uh, guys, I think it was Big Pussy from uh, Sopranos. If I remember <laughs> okay. correctly. So he's a father, one of the kids. Kids playing a record. Kid goes away. Father tries to turn off the stereo. Can't turn it off. Eventually, the uh, the vinyl morphs into like, you know, just it bubbles into like roses and like vinyl, whatever. And the speaker transforms. And the cone of the speaker becomes this uh, monster from hell that attacks him and then sucks him through the speaker. And hmm. that thing is made of it. The father's gone and there's no, you know, there's no police. There's no nothing because the whole town's on the influence of this band. Wow. Um, I am going to spoil this one just because, well, it's from 88. And uh, even though you know what happens, you should go see it. So... Last concert, the oh, okay. Before I even get there, so because the uh, uh, the uh, English teacher is seeing that his kids are acting kind of weird, he goes to talk to talk to the lead singer of the band at the music venue, which I believe is the auditorium of the high school, and they're seen sharing glasses of milk, hmm. which I, I, I guess to show how wholesome the band is to the non-parents. <laughs> I find it so weird that they're walking down like the, the rows of chairs and they're each holding a glass of milk. It makes no sense. <laughs> like, it, just, it just looks dumb. You know, like have a glass of water. But milk. Right. Okay. Yeah. Um, anyways. So climax of the film. It's a teacher versus the band. Uh, the lead singer turns into a fully fledged monster in a rubber suit, which does not look like the monster you looked like at the beginning of the film, which is disappointing because he was really cool. But this is just a full-fledged monster. So the teacher is like fisticuffing with the monster. And the way the film ends is that he sets the stage on fire. The monster's trapped and all the kids, for some reason, break their spell and run out of the auditorium. But I'm like, it's a beast from hell. Why would he be afraid of fire? <laughs> the film is awesome. The last like 15 minutes, disappointing. Really, really bad. And there's also a scene where... Out of the blue, there's a topless girl. Uh, you can't see her. You can't see her uh, her face, but it's just like a, a, a chest in the mirror and this, these hands caressing her breast. Maybe a good thirty seconds, and then we're assuming it's the teacher's pet, who then goes to the teacher, trying to seduce him. She takes off her her top again. You don't see her head. It's a different set of boobs. So we're having <laughs> two different stunt chests were used for this film. <laughs> And eventually transforms into a monster. The teacher kills it. But then at the end, the girl is there. So I don't know what happened. I really don't know. But uh, man, this is a fun movie. Again, from 1988, Hmm. it's on Midnight Pulp. Um, Synapse released a DVD of this film. I think in 2007, there is no Blu-ray version of this film out, at least in our region. I haven't checked other regions. But in North America or region, uh, I guess, region A, right? Region or region one, part of me, there is no right. Blu-ray copy of Black Roses. And that is a shame. Uh, it is worth checking out. Very so, cool. I definitely want to see that one. Yeah. How are we doing on time? We're good? All right. Okay. Um, 
Now, uh, in the last film of my uh, of my leg, it's a movie called Angel Terminators, um, which the uh, I, I guess we'll have a review for this film on Sunday. Uh, today is Thursday. Tomorrow's Friday. So in a few days, I'll post my review of this film to end uh, that leg. But it's another uh, girls with guns uh, subgenre film from uh, Hong Kong. So it's about these uh, two female uh, police officers. And they're known as the Angel Terminators because they're tasked to get rid of a crime syndicate by any means necessary. Uh, so they, long story short, they face off against, uh, I can't even go long story short. The story's <laughs> kind of intricate and it's good. Now, I watched this with Cantonese, uh, Cantonese audio and English subtitles. I didn't get lost at all. Uh, but pretty much, okay. So this boss returns from Thailand who and he was in exile in Thailand because another crime boss was encroaching on his territory and took him out. So he comes back, gets his territory back, meets up with an old flame of his, who is now the married to the police lieutenant of the two girls of the Angel Terminators. So now uh, this boss, his name is Sawada, wants to bed the girl, but she won't because she's married. But the husband, who's a lieutenant, has a gambling problem and owes two million dollars. So Sawada, the bad guy boss, is like, well, sleep with me, I'll erase your debt. But also tells the lieutenant, if you tell me when the next raid is, I'm going to kill the Angel Terminators and I'll erase your debt. So she sleeps with him. And then he's like, ah, psych, I already told your husband to do this, to, to erase the debt. So you slept with me for no reason. So I don't recall if she dies or not. I think he kills her or she might have committed suicide. Don't remember. It's been a few days. So, <laughs> so then one of the Angel Terminators finds out. Confronts Lieutenant and Sawada. Uh, the Lieutenant gets killed with the angel's gun and then gets captured by the boss who then imprisons her and hooks her up on, on heroin. <laughs> so then the informant of that cop then gets, uh, gets caught by the boss. They get imprisoned together and they escape with each other's help. But then the police officer is now hooked on heroin is, and is also uh, feeling disgraced. Because her gun was used to kill the lieutenant, so she doesn't want to go to the police, but then her partner finds her, and uh, they beat the cops, and or they beat the, the boss, and the movie's over. So, it seems <laughs> kind of plotting, and really, you, you know what happens? Uh, it doesn't matter. The action in this movie is awesome. It reminded me, the way the martial arts was filmed, and I can't really put my finger on which martial art is used. It's more like a movie martial art because the way that they're moving, fast paced, a lot of kicks, a lot of punches. It was a live action Street Fighter game. Like that's oh. how fluid it was. It was really badass. That's cool. Uh, yeah, it was like the action is awesome. It's a lot like a Jackie Chan film. You mm. know how his fight scenes are and his crazy stunts. There's some pretty cool stunts that these girls do in this movie. Like it's pretty fucking good. Um, so I recommend this one I, again. It's called the Angel Terminator, uh, Angel Terminators, or in its Cantonese name, Hong Chen Huang Jia from 1992. Totally nailed it, bro. Yep. Totally nailed it. Um, there's apparently a sequel, uh, that if I read it correctly, isn't directly linked to the story. Uh, but uh, even if you can't find an English dub or a, a version with English subtitles. Uh, you don't really need subtitles in this movie. The action scenes are worth watching. So, yeah, um, recommend that one. And uh, 
One more quick one. Uh, I watched an Andy Sedaris film just because I felt <laughs> like watching an Andy Sedaris film. Uh, so I watched The Dallas Connection from 1984. Uh, it is exactly what you expect from Andy Sedaris film. Uh, really weak uh, spy story, but uh, a lot of boobs, some really shitty gun scenes, uh, more boobs, and Julie <laughs> Strain, uh, who's got really nice boobs. <laughs> so not my favorite Andy Sedaris film. The mm-hmm. reason why I watched that and not Malibu Express is I lost my fucking disc of Malibu Express. Oh the man! Andy, yeah, the Andy Sedaris collection is in a DVD case. It's twelve movies on three discs, and they're in little like there's little paper envelopes. And yeah. for some reason, I couldn't find the first one. So being so upset about that, I actually ordered another copy. <laughs> so it should be coming in the mail shortly. Because bad. Malibu Express is one of my favorite Andy Sedaris films, and I need to have it in my collection. So, uh, so is yeah. Is that not on Blu-ray anywhere? Uh, no, I checked. <laughs> I, I would love to get this on Blu-ray. Oh, man. Are you kidding? <laughs> oh. Somebody has to do a 2K transfer. At least 2K. I right. would buy it twice but uh, <laughs> i'll end it there i watched some more stuff but you know i'm rambling too long so that is my weekend oh um i did actually gain some uh, traction in mad max so oh nice I'm thinking by labor day it should be over so i'm really <laughs> fingers crossed good i actually just purchased mine i got it for like 10 bucks used at my local store so yeah i'm excited for you to catch up to me right <laughs> <laughs> yeah not gonna happen but oh, uh, yeah, so, yeah so that's my week Awesome. Yeah. Well, let's jump in and finish up our video game to film arc, our adaptation arc, I guess, and uh, talk about the Silent Hill double feature. So we're going to talk about each film separately. We're going to start with 2006's Silent Hill. So if you've not seen this one or Silent Hill Revelation... I'm sure there's going to be discussion that leaks in between the two films. So if you've not seen either of them and you don't want them spoiled for you, pause the podcast now, go watch both movies, come on back and hit play because there is going to be spoilers. And I imagine there will be spoilers for both films uh, during both reviews. So just keep that in mind. You have been warned. So Silent Hill from 2006 is directed by Christoph Gans. It's written by, of all fucking people... Roger Avery, who is a Cinefessions alum as the co-writer of the only film that all three of us have given four stars, Pulp Fiction, the only film in our Cinefessions Hall of Fame. So it has an IMDb score of 6.6 out of the current 184,269 votes. And I think it's interesting to note that I wrote down that number uh, two days ago. And it was about 250 votes less. So a lot of people are watching this movie right now for some reason. Because they're um, getting ready for the podcast. Yep, yeah, that's exactly it. That's yeah. absolutely it. It has a Metacritic score of 31, a 30% tomato meter, and an audience score on Rotten Tomatoes of 63%. It had a $50 million budget with a $46.98 million gross. Ash, what is your history with Silent Hill? Well, we kind of went over the history of the game, so I won't go over to that. But um, <laughs> uh, we saw it in the theater, what, twice? Yeah, yeah, we saw it in the theater twice. Um, okay. 
first time we were just kind of like, holy shit, this is awesome. And then the second time we were actually like poking through looking for like visual cues from the game and shit like that and just, you know, having a blast. Um, bought it the second it came out on DVD, still have that, and, and, uh, we watch it at least once or twice a year. Okay. Very good. And Mark, what about you? What's your history with Silent Hill? Uh, the first one I did see in theaters in 2006, and, uh, I owned the DVD, which I've watched, oh, probably half a dozen times easy. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. I, um, I did not watch this one in theaters. I watched it. For the first time on, I don't, I frankly, I don't know if it was DVD or Blu-ray, but not terribly long ago, I don't believe, maybe, I don't know, three, four, five years, somewhere in there, and um, I do own the Blu-ray of it, and so that's what I ended up watching for this. So, yeah, excellent. All right. Before we begin, please, does, did your Blu-ray have any special features? Um, I don't believe it did. No. So weird. Yeah, I had uh, about six features that are about maybe 10 minutes each, but no commentary, which surprised me. And nothing oh. regarding the games. Now, I didn't get the chance to watch all the special features. Um, but yeah. Uh, yeah, I was surprised there was no commentary track. I vaguely Yeah, I think mine was bare bones. I vaguely remember like a brief making of um, on the version I've got. Uh, but it's been a long time. I I uh, I ripped it a long time ago, so I, yeah. I watched my digital copy for this time, so I didn't even look at my disc. Right, right. Yeah, that's interesting because I did have a couple, or maybe I feel like only one special feature on my Revelation disc, also. So I don't know why there's no a lot of special features for this. That's something else because I have Revelation 3D, and it's got like a <laughs> three minute uh, little like blurb feature and nothing else. Okay, so we have the same disc. Yeah, that's what I have. Yeah. Did you? Oh, we'll talk about that when we get there. All right. Sure. So this this opening scene, I think it starts off very interestingly, um, and it just it's like, geez, this would be horrific. Um, I just it feels like this opening is every parent's worst nightmare. Um, you know, and, and I I love how it's kind of set up here. Um, but what I really like about the scene is at the very end of that scene. You get this shot of the, they're kind of on the ground hugging Sharon and across the way, across like the, I guess it would have been like the running river or whatever was going on underneath. There's a shot of a cross that's lit up in the background. And I really thought that that was just, it looked really cool and was very interesting because it introduces that religious element right from the get go, which is obviously something that plays a huge part in the film. Um, and actually I get that. Uh, okay. Interesting. Like Fair enough. Religion? That's, wow. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> um, and actually, at the end of this scene and at the end of the second scene, there's actually uh, Bible icono iconography or, or imagery, whatever the hell you want to call it, with, uh, with the second scene at the end is the um, – uh, the Corinthians Bible verse, which I don't know what the Bible verse was or anything, but um, so the both opening or the the two opening scenes both end on an image of something biblical, which I think is interesting. The, Actually, you I, know what I, I've got? I'll, oh, go, go ahead. ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. No, 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 go for it. Um, one of the things I I I do love about the first Silent Hill film is how atmospheric it is, the cinematography to it, and that almost every shot feels planned to to deliver something 
like a feeling or information or you know something it feels i mean because well i mean the guy who who made it is a french filmmaker so it, i mean it feels like a uh you know like this kind of a full world a fully realized world throughout even like the from like the opening sequences on uh it just oozes atmosphere and i love that and it, it's really funny that uh roger avery wrote the script because i found the uh actual bible verse and uh, it goes uh <clears throat> the path of the righteous man is beset on all sides by the iniquities of the selfish and the tyranny of evil men. Blessed is he who in the name of and what you guys find Bible verses funny? <laughs> oh I'm, I'm man. I'm not gonna continue then. Hey. <laughs> what does Marcellus Wallace look like, Mark? <laughs> oh uh, man. He's big and scary. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, like a bitch, love uh, it. Yeah, yeah. That's I don't know what this during movie. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see if oh, I can man. Like a bitch. Uh, yeah, that big look fucking delicious. I did love <laughs> watching it when my wife and I went and saw this in the theater. I loved that we could tell who had played the game and who hadn't, because there are several shots in like the opening seat, not necessarily the opening sequence. Uh, it, huh? Yeah, let's throw out the movie, but they're especially like when um when she's running around in Silent Hill just as it turns for the first time and when she's in it. Mm-hmm. Uh and the fence maze and everything. They use a shot lifted right from the game. Because there's a sequence in the game where Harry's coming down the alleyway and the camera is kind of pointed at this cockeyed angle and it swings and follows him as you move through. Uh they do the same damn thing with, with her. Uh, when she's coming down the alley and turns, and it's mm-hmm. like it's the same shot, and we're my wife and I were both like, hey. yeah, everybody, everybody in the theater who'd played the game kind of cringed. Everyone else is like, like, what, what the, what's the matter? And then you know, baby attack, <laughs> you know, and everything goes to hell. But yeah, it, right. was just, it was just funny. It, it, it's, it's not like a ripoff, and it's not like they're like an in-your-face homage, but and it's a great, it's a great shot anyway. But it, it was just the way he did it. You know, it's kind of like a subtle, you know, here's what's coming, you know, type of thing. I thought it was great. Yeah, talking about that aspect of it, um, I like her walking through the the kind of the, the fence maze, like the whatever you want to call, it, I guess the maze, the fence, whatever. Oh, phase. It's a phase. <laughs> Oh, phase right now. Yeah, the phase. And um, because that, that's like right from the very beginning of the game, that's uh, of the 30 minutes I played of the game, that's the part I remember most. And um, I, I really liked that it was directly from the video game. I really enjoyed that aspect of it. And the, I think, I think my favorite, I, my favorite part of this film is the cinematography. And I think it's really strong at the beginning. Um, like there's the shot when they are, when Rose, uh, so she decides that she needs to take her daughter to this place that she screams about in her sleep without telling her father about it, which was such a, was a weird, weird conclusion to draw for me. Well, uh, it just they, seems they did argue the- about it. They did argue about it. It's just, she wanted to do it and try to, to fix her daughter or help her daughter through this, whatever it was. And he's just like, no, we don't, we, we don't want to do that. Yeah, we but they don't argue about it on screen. Yeah, they did. Yeah, they did. They were on when? the phone. 
Well, they, uh, they were even on when the she's already taking him there. No, well, before that, even because he was like, uh, he mentioned it uh, earlier on, and because she, she's like, she mentioned it again. You know, she talked about it again, and he's like, no, we're we're not dealing with it. It was when they're cuddling after the the highway, and then on the I, phone too. But yeah, but it it, it obviously the kid with the issues is causing uh, a lot of grief with the uh, marriage because she takes uh, the girl to go to Sun Hill. And, you know, instead of him understanding, mm-hmm. he, he like put blocks on the credit cards. Right. You know? Exactly. So obviously they're, they're, they're really strained, you know, they're, yeah. they're not on the same level here at all. Mm-hmm. Um, I just thought his actions were kind of extreme. You know, like in yeah. a way, it is a parental abduction, which <laughs> you know. Uh, so I can understand why he would, in a way, but I just it, it didn't seem that their marriage was that on the rocks prior to us finding out at the gas station that her credit cards are declined. Right. You know, and why is he so against her trying to go there? Yeah, what's a big deal? Right. You know. Yeah, I, it's just it was strange. Yeah, I, um, I just thought that part was just a little rocky. You know, like I know mm-hmm. you don't have so much time to really make a movie about a whole fucking game from start to end. You know, right, right. Um, but just it, that seemed a little just too fast for me, and I didn't like the pacing for mm-hmm. for that little storyline element. I think uh, my wife just mentioned it. I think they he's he's going on the science and and psychology, and she's going on faith. You're, they're well, kind of playing on faith. the stereotype there. <laughs> faith. Where do you where do you pick that up in the movie though? Where, that he goes on science and she goes on faith. Like I didn't get that anywhere in the film. He wanted to take her to a hospital and another doctor, and in, in, implying that you know they'd been to several already. And she's just like, "Look, we're just gonna take you know this leap and go there." And he's like, "No." But he you wanted know. her committed. Yeah. Yeah, so you know he's he, she's looking for like a leap of faith, and he's looking for psychiatric treatment. <laughs> yeah, hmm. um, but like that shot of when they're when they're driving, um, it, like that overhead shot of them driving at night. I I think those shots are just fucking beautiful. Um, which was the whole point of uh, kind of the end of that thought mm-hmm. uh, from earlier, but. Um, there's a, so they, as they're driving, they go, there's that scene where they, uh, we run into the cop, Sybil, for the first time. And, yeah. um, I thought it was really strange. So they're getting gas or whatever. And, um, the, the kid is like, uh, I don't remember what she was saying. She was saying no or something like, I don't want to do that or whatever the hell it was. It caught the, the cop's attention. And so she asked if she could sit in front and she does. And so Rose puts her in the front seat. And then the cop is clearly walking toward the car, and then on the on one half of the of the of the uh, screen, and then in the other half of the shot, Rose is walking away, completely ignoring the cop walking to the car. And it was just another moment where I'm like, "What? Why? This is an awkward moment that just didn't make sense to me." The cop creeping about for no reason, but the mom not even uh, like acknowledging that this cop is walking up to their car when there's nothing else for the cop to be walking up to because they're against the gas pump and there's nothing in the background. Yeah. It, I don't know why, but it bugged me. Yeah. it. Um, this time around when we were watching it, that, that we caught that and we're like, you know, my wife was like, wait a minute. Yeah. <laughs> what the hell? I am. Just like, what are you doing? You know, cause right. it's obvious she's heading right to the car and mm-hmm. I, I hadn't 
caught it all this time. I remembered it being slightly different pace, like she'd waited for Rose to go into the store, but Right. Yeah. That would make sense. Yeah. So strange. Um and I wrote down, I was like, what why the flying fuck is she deciding that she's going to be a fugitive from the law by speeding away from the cop? Yeah, I don't get that either. Like, why make that choice? Well, but maybe no, it's because like Because no, but she knows her credit cards are the client. So she yeah. doesn't know if he called the cops on her or not. Right. So, and that's what I was when, just thinking. Maybe that's why, but yeah. still. So uh, when when like roadside well, stop, that, you run the person and then oh we have a, a an amber alert or right. we have a parental abduction. So I understand why she did it. Um, but I just think both parental units are kind of a little overblown in the situation. Mm-hmm. You don't have to abduct your daughter and you don't have to block, you know, her credit cards. I don't know. Right. But can we talk for a second about, um, Sybil, Louis yes. Holden? Yeah. So this is pre-Walking Dead. Right. Yeah. And I never so, realized that was her until this viewing. Yeah. Yeah. Man is <laughs> male pig. She's fucking hot. And then. You her think? in like her cop, her cop uh, outfit. Oh. Yeah, I don't and like I her. S- I can't really? stand her in The Walking Dead, and I hate oh. it. not her. It's just her yeah. characters that she's playing. Like I didn't, I hate her character in The Walking Dead with a passion. I don't like Sybil in this film. Um, really? Yeah, I, like, I don't. I like Sybil. At all. I like Sybil. And I don't know. Kind of realizes there's something really fucked up going on. And yeah, she's like, like all right, I'm gonna help you find your daughter. Yeah, she doesn't know what the fuck is going on. She just she just crashed, you know, and mm-hmm. like she's got a suspect who fled her. So I I totally understand her reasoning for her actions, but then as she realizes what the fuck's going on and why is this guy with a big pyramid after us, um, like you know, she kind of gets out of cop mode and she's into like survival mode. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, man, her with her mirrored glasses and her oh yeah, I thought she was oh so babely, very very attractive. Okay. I add nothing to the conversation. <laughs> <laughs> uh, not a vibe I was picking up, but hey, I'm glad. Uh, I'm glad that you, that did that for you. I don't know. It's the leather. Maybe it reminds me of Judas Priest. I don't know. Wait. <laughs> what? Okay. So flashback to back when this movie came out, and a bunch. Oh, hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> I have to bring this up because people were like, "Why is this cop in leather?" Then and then and that. Did you not see her riding around on a fucking motorcycle? What is exactly. she going to wear? Leather helps protect your skin so it doesn't shred off of you if you happen to ditch your bike. She's not going to wear a windbreaker, that's for sure. Yeah, no shit. That's that's a really weird complaint for somebody to have. I've never, I've never even considered that. Like, why is this cop in leather? This makes no sense. It makes perfect fucking sense. Hmm. Not paying attention. Right. <laughs> Strange. Um, I think so. Now that we're in the city now, and um, I. I didn't appreciate it as much until I watched the second film, but I feel like in in Silent Hill, in this this one, that there are obviously some you know CGI enhancements, but I feel like they're actually filming in a, in a set. Whereas the next one, it just feels entirely CGI when they go like with the with the like ash coming down and everything. It looked yeah. infinitely better in this one. Well, um, they did it find the town in like the film was film. The film was filmed in Canada. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think in, oh, man, I think it was like an hour away from Toronto. I don't know okay. if it was Brampton or not, but uh, yeah, everything was filmed on location. And the special features on the DVD is actually really cool because they talked with the set designer and they had like four different versions of the same set, depending on what part of the day it was. Mm-hmm. 
just because of the various like uh, stages of the rotting when the darkness comes. So they had to film the the film in um, in bits and pieces so that they could then change the setup to the next you know segment of the timeline of the film, which I thought was really cool. So every and what. I don't know if it's just because I watched on DVD, but I was rewatching it for the podcast tonight, and I'm thinking, man, the special effects really suck. That CGI is really not that good. And what I realized is that all like like the especially the baby scene when yeah. you know, she's in the phase, right? And the babies are going after her. I'm like, oh man, that's some bad CGI. Oh, I thought but it was not. <laughs> oh, I, I didn't like it. But then there's a uh, special feature segment about the special effects and. All those monsters you see, like the monster with the like the uh, anus on the chest that's shooting the uh, the, the the acid and stuff, mm-hmm. that was all actual pr- uh, practical effects hmm. that then had like a CGI gloss on it. Oh, so okay. all those monsters were actually sculpted, and there were people in them, which I thought yeah. was really cool. Even the so, babies, yeah, they just they just yeah. enhanced them with the special effects. That's, yeah, I all, see. All of them were real. Yeah, the only it's thing that too wasn't real bad. Yeah, it's too bad they had to uh, use the special effects to enhance because I thought they looked really awesome with the behind-the-scenes footage I saw. Like, really yeah. cool. Yeah, they did. Um, the One of the things they did, though, too, um, all they actually did, uh, a lot of the fog, they made it thicker, but they actually had it all foggy on set and had it kind of coming down like fake ash that was, down and stuff. Yeah, that's what, my, that's what my assumption was, yeah. Yeah, I'm actually quite surprised by uh, the amount of... Uh, of like uh, physical prosthetics and stuff they had. Uh, it, it's because of the uh, CGI gloss, maybe from the timeline or like, you know, from 2006, mm-hmm. it really hasn't aged that well. Uh, right. It's too bad they put an extra coat of paint on something that was already looking pretty good. Mm-hmm. See, I don't know. I thought it looked pretty good still. But. Yeah, honestly, I didn't have a problem. I, th- I didn't realize it was practical effects. I thought it was CGI, but um, I thought it, I actually thought most of it looked pretty good in this one. Yeah. So. No, I'm oh, sorry. How did you guys watch this? Uh, Blu-ray. Ash, Ash, did you watch a, a rip of the uh, DVD or the Blu-ray? Uh, it's a rip of the DVD. I only have the DVD. Okay, so you probably saw the same one I did. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it was just the setting on my television. I just... Well, see, I was it watching it on my laptop. And my laptop's much smaller than the TV. If I had been watching right. it on the TV, I would have grabbed my DVD. Oh, yeah, maybe. Maybe if in an expanded picture, just it doesn't look as good as a smaller screen. Who knows? But... I was watching, yeah, I was watching the Blu-ray on my projector. And oh, and that was the boasting. Seriously. Oh, man. <laughs> Look at me. 100 inches. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. It's so thick. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> it's so thick. We were just talking about screen size. But it was a different, it was a different uh, um, a medium, though, so it's different. Yeah. I liked, um, and it's almost like two... Easy, but when she woke up in the bowling alley after to be attacked by the babies, Johnny Cash's Ring of Fire is playing on the... Jukebox or the radio. Of course. <laughs> oh, other man. than oh, oh, here's a here's a fun fact. Uh, other than the Johnny Cash bit, mm-hmm. nearly every bit of music you hear in the movies, or at least this first one, is from the games. Every bit of. Oh, it. that's interesting. I didn't realize and that. That's why I like the score so much. Um, and again, Mondo Tees uh, just released a reissue of the Sun Hill vinyl that they had released uh, last month. I guess that sold out. So they're releasing a black version of it, which came out this week on Wednesday, I believe. Um, so I obviously didn't buy it because I've, a buddy of mine got the, the uh, smoke edition. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I love the score in this film. It's See, so that's haunting. interesting. I didn't, it, it, the score didn't strike me at all. 
Really? I don't know why. Yeah, I was wanting it to because I was like, man, make me be disappointed that I didn't buy this. And yeah. I just did nothing for me. Oh, yeah. No, I, I, I just, I just, it, it, it's, it's different, you know? It's minimalistic at some points, and then it's hauntingly beautiful in the other points, and it takes a lot from the game. And listening to that score while you're playing the game just adds to the creep factor, you oh, know? Because, yeah. like, I can play, like, I can watch a horror movie and, like, eh, whatever. But you give me a horror video game and I will freak the fuck out. <laughs> I remember playing Dead Space and uh, I'm looking around every corner and a monster jumps out. And, you know, my heart, I can feel my pulse race. Even with multiple playthroughs, I know it's coming when it actually appears on screen. Uh, yeah, I just shot of adrenaline. So, um, maybe it's because I, I do have a bit of a history with the video game that I just, it just melded well for me. Yeah. Another aspect I thought was really strong in this was the set design. Uh, I thought the old school that they go to, uh, I thought mm-hmm. that looked really creepy. I thought it looked really cool. Yes. Yes. They did a great job with that. It's, uh, it's, it's very detailed. I still love the effect, uh, I still remember getting chills when I saw the 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 effect in the the theater because in the game the first game obviously it's on the PlayStation One so they didn't have the tech to do the peel away to the the hell world so when it happens Harry always falls unconscious in the game mm-hmm. um, <laughs> and then wakes up and it's the hell world but it's always accompanied by the siren um, but uh, I really loved the peel away effect that they did for this it just looks it still looks awesome i still love that yeah and i actually wrote down that i thought the cgi looked pretty good there when you know for that transformation so i I would agree i love pyramid head i just love his presence on screen and i'm so disappointed that they don't use him more than they do um well Part of that might have to be because he actually isn't in the first game at all. Yeah. Oh, really? He came in for the second game. Um, mm. and the, second, the second game actually has nothing to do with the storyline of um, the first game at all. It's like, oh. I, remember, um, I, I, I'm kind of jumping ahead a little bit, but you know, the in the second movie, they mentioned there's, ever, there's many different Silent Hills. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That um, that kind of happens. Basically, as you go to Silent Hill, when you go there, it kind of adapts to you. It's your own personal hell. So Pyramid Head was in the second game and attached to this one guy who was there looking for his dead wife. So <laughs> That's weird. Okay. Yeah, I, I'll have questions when we discuss the second film, just because oh, I yeah. know um, the first... Uh, I know the gist of the first game, but I don't know how the game ends. And I know the gist of the second game. Still don't know how it ends. So I'm curious on how the mythology of the second movie is actually compared to the games. But we'll get that to a later point. Because yeah, definitely. I, ha- I had questions. I had questions, but we're jumping ahead. Mm-hmm. Um, I like that. I, I feel like this is such a corny moment, but I actually liked it when... Rose like runs through her husband and then he feels her and like he says he can smell her perfume and everything. I thought it was really corny, but I I liked that moment for whatever reason. I thought it worked well. See, I thought it was touching just because I I kind of 
cared for the characters because I want them to find their 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 daughter and I want them to be happy together, you know? Mm-hmm. So that moment was actually quite nice. At least I thought, you know, it was, yeah. uh, oh, I can, I can, it's, it's like, you know, let's say, uh, you know, you spend a night uh, cuddling with a loved one and then they leave because they have to, you know, go to work or they go back in their cage and, you know, you can, you can wait, still wait, smell wait, them on your clothes, that? you know? That their cage? What? <laughs> yeah. You smell their scent on your clothes, you know, like, oh, I wish she was still here. No, no, she was no, no, still no, here, going you know? Back to the cage portion of her program. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this, yeah this, the scent, the, the scent on your clothes. Sometimes it, your clothes will get imbued by their scent. So like, it smelled. It's like, oh, I wish they were still here. And not left up. You know, so it just, it, it, I, I thought it was a kind of a touching moment in a horror movie. Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> oh, man. The, an, another moment I thought was, it was kind of odd is, is so there, walking around and from what you can tell there's nothing here except evilness you know just horrible things and then they come across other people in this creepy strange cut off place and it's not a big deal to them that they found another human which i thought was ah just odd i feel like it it didn't mean anything that they'd found somebody else when all they've been seeing is a fucking pyramid head. Like it was ah, it was like when no, they no, found no, the girl. They'd seen um the 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 bros had come across uh, what's her face? yeah the creepy lady Dahlia earlier yeah right and that's uh, that count that's counting in there like oh, okay. it's just weird. There's nothing except these very as far as you know at this point this incredibly small pe- amount of people four people in total. And I I don't know. Nothing was made of it. And I thought that was really strange. And then, uh, what was the dad's name? Uh, Sean Bean? Uh, or, uh, Chris. Chris, yes. He is like, he's got to be the luckiest motherfucker on planet Earth. He breaks into the records building. And, and the first room he heads in just happens to have these old records of Silent Hill. And they're laying right out in the open there for him to find. I mean, give me a fucking break, man. Make it a little difficult for the character. Well, the way I see it now is that that office probably got broken into a billion times because everybody's looking for someone in their own version of Silent Hill. <laughs> so the box is like, yeah, it was left up from the last person who broke in. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, it, it didn't take him very long to find uh, what he needed. Yeah. Very fortunate, the Sean Bean. Yeah, he sure is. So I liked it. I don't. I guess I don't understand how the the creepy lady. I don't know her name. Whatever her name was. She. No, she's the, sure. The, 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 the mom. The mom. Dahlia Gillespie. Dahlia. Yeah. She like summons Pyramid Head at one point when they're trying to like run into the church, and then Pyramid Head comes in and rips Anna's fucking skin off. I thought that was awesome. I fucking loved that moment, which is why I wish there was more Pyramid Head. But how did she like summon Pyramid Head? Like I did, I don't understand that. She, she didn't. Uh, basically, the only reason that um, Dahlia hasn't been touched, at least in the movie verse, um, is because she is Alessa's mom. Alessa did that. Alessa's been keeping tabs. At least that's how I got out of it. Yeah, I got that as well. That she gets a free pass because she's the mom of the devil. 
Now she doesn't live in luxury. She has to suffer with everybody else and she has to live in fear, but she knows that uh, she won't, that uh, Dolly will not kill her. At least that's my interpretation of it. Okay. You mean Alessa, not Dahlia. Uh, pardon me, what did I say? Dahlia. <laughs> oh, yes. She won't kill herself. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Alessa. Strange. So, uh, and right before that, we see Alessa for the first time, like in full. And that's when we realize that she looks identical to Sharon because um, we think that we're following around Sharon. or Well, you might think that you're following around Sharon. Um and so, like, at that point, obviously, the mystery is getting, getting deeper, the mystery is getting weirder, and yet I just didn't fucking care. And I think it was because I remembered watching it, the, it might have been watching it the previous time, and I was so disappointed with how everything kind of wrapped up at the end. Mm-hmm. But this time through, I was just so uh, disconnected from it, disengaged, I guess, Um and I, I, I don't know if that's exactly why or what. It's just as it got more and more complicated, which is what it's going to start doing now, getting more and more complicated. I thought it just got more and more confusing and much yeah. less interesting as it went on. I have to agree. Um, once you get to you get deeper within the story, mm-hmm. it's just not that interesting. Right. At least that's that's how I felt, you know. Mm-hmm. Um you see all these, you know, all these monsters and all like the steampunk style, like minor outfits. Yeah. It's just parishioners, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I it, The movie for me kind of peaked when you saw Pyramid Head. I, yeah, absolutely. Actually, and, and then, you know, it kind of peaks again when you get to the nurses because that's just a really cool visual. I, I really like how they do the nurses in both the films, just like how the actors are able to do like that Bob Fosse type movement, that really uh, like robotic movement, I think looks awesome. No, I, I can't recall in the in this one, but I do recall that in the sequel, um, when there's close-ups in nurses and they're supposed to be standing still, they're kind of shaking because they mm-hmm. can't hold the position. Right. I don't remember if that was like that in, in the first one or not. Yeah, I don't remember. I, I notice it in the second one. Yeah. Um, and I'm kind of in explain, I'm sure you might be able to explain it to me, but I don't understand why. So at one point, um, the cop walks in on, uh, Chris Sybil. in, in the, um, no, no, not, not that cop. Um, oh, you mean uh, the male Coates, detective officer yeah. Thomas Gucci? Yes. Um, walks in and, um, right on Chris as he was like trying to get information from the, from the nun and, um, at, at, like, he wants to find information and he goes, I mean, at one point he calls him city boy. It's just, I don't, I don't understand where that's coming from. Like, I don't get this. Like, why are they willing to let this town secrets kind of go if it means that three more people are going to die? Like what? I just, I don't understand why. They want Silent Hill to stay buried because they know yeah. exactly what happened there. And, uh, they it's want it pretty. Yeah. They want it gone. They want it to be forgotten. It, and, yeah, he mentions that. He he actually says, you know, yeah, but, oh, he yeah. might, and that's fine. But it's a shit reason. Like, I don't, I just don't, I don't get it. Like, well, if it means three more people are going to die, why aren't you stopping these three more people from dying? If you're so upset about the town's history, do something to correct it. But that's the thing is, they went through the town. He was going through the town. There was no sign of them there because they were there, but they were over in Hellside. So there's nothing that they could do. He knows that, I think. And he, he's from the city, exactly. I, I think he knows. And, like, he's pissed off, too, because, like, one of his good cops is one of the three people. Right. So he's not he, he's not dismissing uh, Chris at all. 
he knows what's going on. But he just, you know, if, he let's calls see, him city boy it. as if like he's some backwoods hick and he, he doesn't like people from the city. I mean, that's pretty dismissive if you well, ask me. I think he doesn't he doesn't like uh, strangers or he doesn't like people that are not from that town because he's trying to he's trying to keep people away from that town, you know. Um, he doesn't want the attention. You're also forgetting this is backwater West Virginia in the film. Oh, I know. I lived in West Virginia. Oh, yeah. 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 Um, I know. I just think Justin. People too. What's wrong with you? Does it Traitor? make sense? It, I don't. Uh, <laughs> See, to me, I don't it, it kind of did just because, you know, he knows that the city's, or the, pardon me, the city, the town's past is marred in really bad stuff, which we get revealed but, more information in the sequel, uh, in the following film. Um, like, there, there's some really, really big skeletons in there in those closets, you know? And they want to. He keep doesn't need the exposure. He doesn't want people to come flocking to Silent Hill. But doesn't. But okay. I just, I'm so confused on this whole fucking movie. So, like, doesn't he, he know does. that these people are dead? Like, they died in a fire. Like, does he know that there's a supernatural element there? I think he does. I just, why doesn't it, it it gives us all this other shit, but I feel like it leaves out the most basic information that makes it make sense. I just don't understand it. See, I don't think Chris would understand if you actually told him the truth. Like, would you believe that kind of story in real life? Probably not. No, right. You know? So, in in a way, you know. But how does he know that? Because they talk about how they found some other kid there recently who was thrown down a well. They found them. Why couldn't you find these three people? But was he in this in the actual town though? I that's what they said. I don't know. Hmm. I, I don't what were you saying? Supernatural. I don't think he knows anything supernatural is going on. I think he knows that the town's dangerous and that I mean it is still on fire. <laughs> you know, and he doesn't right. want all the more reason you should be trying to get your employee, your cop, out of there with these two other people. Well, yeah, I think but he, he went through there too, and but and that's why he didn't want Chris going through on his own because he knew they might lose Chris too, and he's basically responsible for that area because Brahms is right next door to Silent Hill, so he's got to spare his cops to guard that you know a burning leftover city with a lot of dark secrets that he doesn't want out. See, uh, it's not. I, 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 I appreciate you guys trying to know. explain it. It's just not clicking. It's not clicking yet, and that's fine. Well, we, I, we don't have to dwell on it. Obviously, we can move on. Yeah. But I, uh, I think yeah. the fire in the ground is an excuse for people to stay away, so that they can actually, like you know, seal the town off. Because I think yeah. he knows of the supernatural element. Well, and see, honestly, he, he lived in the town, so he does know that there's a really uh, there's a huge uh, religious uh, 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 culture in that town, right? Well, see, and that that's the other thing, though, too. It, there is a real-life example of this. There is a town in Pennsylvania that got evacuated because there was a coal fire underneath it. And the base, it's still burning. And they actually, basically, they ended up raising the entire town because people kept going there. And the cops next door basically have to guard it or keep an eye on it, make sure people aren't wandering around this you know town that's got a coal fire going underneath it there there is a logistical practical reason for keeping people out of it and only letting the first responders in okay fair enough fine so if that's the case this town is on fire it is a dangerous place to be 
not only is this person claiming that his wife and daughter are there, but you know that your cop or you believe that your cop is there, all you're going to do is walk in with a not with a civilian and walk through the town once and then leave and then not do anything else. Because it's not the first time it's happened that he knows the drill. He's just going through the motions to placate Chris. So, okay. So there's two arguments going on. One, Ash is saying he doesn't know there's supernatural and you're saying there is. If, if it is, then I could see that. Yeah. But if he doesn't think yeah. there's anything supernatural going on, then I can't. Yeah. I, I believe that he does know. Ash believes he doesn't know. Let the fans decide. Call That's our right. hotline and let us know what you think. <laughs> uh, well, and either, either way, whether there's supernatural going on there or not, placating Chris and getting him the fuck away from Silent Hill is his best bet. Either way. Yes. Yes. Agreed. That's why you do a quick pass and he goes on his merry way. But then he doesn't do anything else. He's just not a very good cop then. Yeah, but what's he supposed well, to do? What's supposed to do? There's no footprints. There, yeah, there's no evidence. There's no footprints. There's no nothing. But and they're not like, are they looking anywhere else? Like, I, I just, it feels like if your cop's missing and this is the last place you saw this this empty vehicle, is it not just, uh, I, I mean, is it not, this is not the area that you're going to search? I think in this investigation, there's two people that can help you. Either the Lin Shay from Insidious or the Ghostbusters. <laughs> right. Both were both. <laughs> so. Oh, man. Um, I did like watching Sybil kick ass, like when the um, the, yeah. the cultists and they're like witch bullshit. Um, I love watching her kick ass. And then at the end, it looks like she gets bludgeoned to death. And obviously we find out later she didn't, but I really, I feel like it would have been a stronger choice if she was just bludgeoned to death right there because she comes in. Yeah, she's burned. Okay. That's fine. That's cool. Whatever. But I think, man, you don't see people bludgeoned to death enough. Like I thought that would have been a, a good spot for her to die and would have been very strong. That's it. I loved the makeup on her all like swollen up and stuff when she's on the, when she's about to get burnt. Yeah. I thought the facial prosthetics and the makeup that looked really cool. I thought that looked real good. Not that a bludgeon woman looks good, but I just thought like, you know, the after effects of a, of a full attack. Right. I, I just thought it looked, it looked really cool. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I definitely agree. It did look, it did look decent. Um, It did look good, but yeah, I just really liked the idea that she was dead right there, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Um. Oh, and that's what I was going to ask. Ash or Mark, I guess you you said you know a bit about the second one too. So this stuff when she goes down into this like maze-like basement area to find the beast or whatever, is that from like the first Silent Hill, the second Silent Hill? Is it not neither of them? That, like when she runs that, into the nurses? The hospital is definitely in most of the games, actually. Oh, yeah. okay. And the school usually is too. And there's a hotel that is usually in the games too. It doesn't, the hotel varies between the school usually has the same layout, uh, at least. And the hospital is always like a fucking maze in mm. every game. Okay. A couple, yeah. A couple of them have bowling alleys too, but gotcha. But yeah, the, uh, usually there's some serious fucking trauma in the hospital. And it just depends on which game you're playing, what the trauma is. <laughs> hmm. All right. So more confusion and whatever. Okay. So she, <laughs> so what I understood, what, what I got from this was that she wasn't a witch. They didn't think of her as a witch, but they labeled her a witch because her mom wouldn't name the father. 
And so the head cultist lady didn't like that. And so then she threw out the word witch. And that's when they went to town on her. Is there, what am I missing there? Or what am I wrong about there? There's, there's hints that um, they think that uh, Alessa has some kind of abilities and that she's unnatural. They, they, did they say they, that? Man, I did not get that at all. They, they, did they, they say that? Well, you forget I've watched this like I don't know how many fucking times. Right. Uh, <laughs> Dahlia, Dahlia hints at it, but she cloaks it in um, religious rhetoric and a bunch of other stuff. Plus, she hints at it in the flashback. Like, it's when she's whispering it or kind of like, you know, making vague references to Dahlia about it is when she kind of it goes into it. And what you might also forget is that Dahlia was initially a redhead. And Richard's are evil. Yes, exactly. <laughs> oh, that's true. I, I always well, forget I that, that aspect. Very important. <laughs> uh, oh, man. I, I did like seeing the cultists, is what I call, refer to them as, getting burned or getting like killed, basically. Um, burning children in the name of God. I mean, it's just, I'm glad they all fucking died. And that's what, what the I, end, like, uh, man. Oh, yes. Yes. Very, very Hellraiser three ish. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, with, with the barbed uh, wire and whatnot, I was like, "This is like Hellraiser." I think one of my favorite moments, though, is the beast dancing in the blood, raining down. <laughs> the the uh, the little girl version of Alessa, yeah, you know, like dancing around in the blood, just just like right. <laughs> and have to be, you know, I found. Um, Oh, what's her name now? Uh, I found Sharon kind of annoying, but I thought Alessa as a bad girl looked pretty badass. Like the makeup was cool. You know, I, I, the way that she was like kind of like dirty with the, with the ash, but not mm-hmm. the, 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 the teeth that were, that were blacked out. Right. Um, I thought as a, a, a fragile girl, kind of annoying. Especially in the beginning when she's meowing, you know, on the tree. I'm like, ugh, I don't like that. <laughs> but as a powerful uh, villain of the film, but in a pint-sized package, I thought that was really cool. Uh, and that's one of the things I have to give the actress credit for. She's fucking amazing because she sells that hardcore. Oh, my God. Yeah. You, you can believe she's um, kind of demon in this little child you know and it's just like holy shit <laughs> yeah that's a jodel ferland and yeah. uh, i believe now she's 22 years old mm-hmm. and pretty hot yeah she is <laughs> she's also in dark matter right now which, not, oh, i don't know what that is i don't either it's a sci-fi tv show from canada actually and that's on uh that's on sci-fi too but oh, oh okay oh yeah uh, there's a, okay so- if you click on her name there's a picture of uh well you click on dark matter uh, first thing is like a, a picture of the trailer and she's got like blue and green hair. That's kind of hot. <laughs> so, I'll, uh, okay. So, Alessa, she says, I have many names right now. I'm the dark part, part of Alessa. So, she's the devil, right? Is that what you I'm know, getting? We don't know. We don't know what kind of demon she is. She just happens to live in Silent Hill. And to to she me, she's a, a rage demon. And, well, and she made a deal with Alessa to help her get revenge and sharon okay and so uh this is okay so like the spirit came and took her away i don't know what i'm referring to there um 
So something walked up to Alessa in the hospital, right? This burned child in the hospital, and that was this demon, right? And so then Sharon is simply the good part of Alessa. Like she's not even a real yes, thing. She, she, Sharon just, is like the one good, the joy, because Alessa can't feel happiness, which you get to explain in the in the following film. So Sharon is the only good part of of Alessa left, put into like human form and separated <laughs> so I, I know this is where it gets fucking weird and i don't know if it's better explained in the video game or not but th- see this is why the ending kind of is it, it, it kind of goes down for me a bit because i i don't fully get it and this is after watching it many times yeah yeah so what is sharon to, to me sharon is the joy of alessa in as in human form She's only she's the good part. She's the only yeah. decent part of this burnt little girl, because now it's nothing but rage and darkness that consumes Alyssa's soul. And so Sharon really is the yang to Alyssa's yin. Right. Yeah. And she can get inside. I, that was so fucking stupid. She gets inside Rose by hugging her way in. Oh, that was dumb. I thought as fuck. Yeah. Oh, we haven't really talked too much about Rose. Uh, the actress, Radha Mitchell. Mm-hmm. I've yeah, seen her in other uh, films like oh, Rogue. Yeah. Alessa, I- actually, actually, Alessa did have powers because she hurt the nurse that uh, before that was looking at her before she even got uh, hooked up with the demon. So she did have some abilities, some kind of abilities. Well, maybe next time they should give her the bright jello. <laughs> give her the what? The right jello. Oh, <laughs> oh man! Uh, you were talking about, about uh, Rada Mitchell. Yeah, I just thought she was fucking awesome in this movie. Like you know, I've talked about uh, Laurie uh, Holden, but mm-hmm. I thought Radha uh, carried the film, um, and I cared for her travels. And like I cared about her, her character enough. Uh, she, she made the she made the as much as you know. She's confused and running a lot in the movie, trying to understand exactly where she is and what she's up against. Um, I, I thought she was one of the better parts of the film. Like she's really good. Yeah, I thought. I, would agree. I thought she was good as well. Uh, it was hilarious listening to her talk about playing the part too, because she had just done um, Pitch Black not too long before this. Yeah. Uh, yes. and so Chris, Gans, the director, Chris, is it Chris Gans? Yeah, 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 yeah. G A N S. However, you want to say it. Yeah, yeah, Gans. yeah. He kept telling her like they're they you know, moving across, and they kept yelling at her, "Run, run, run!" And she's like, "It's basically the same direction I got in the last movie I was in." Yeah. <laughs> and I'm looking at her like you know, you saw her in Pitch Black. You saw her in this film. I don't think I've seen anything recent of her though. Like she's been in quite a few things, but just nothing that's fall you know crossed my path. I guess yeah. Olympus has fallen. Um, I don't remember that movie. I'd have to watch that again. But everything else, it's just... Or in London as well, I guess. Uh, she's in a sequel, which I have not seen. So I guess there's two things. Oh, and The Darkness, which I bought recently, but I haven't watched yet. So, well, fuck me. Never mind. She's in stuff I, I might see. <laughs> she just seems like one of those those actresses that, you know, had a, a boom in, in in the early... Or in the 2000s mm-hmm. that you don't see much of. But uh, I just proved myself wrong. Right. Oh, stupid IMDb. <laughs> <laughs> oh man um you know i thought it was actually watch the movies you buy 
<laughs> oh, I, I will once I get to that fucking section of that challenge. All right. Exactly. <laughs> so, okay. So Alessa was burned 30 years ago, right? 30 years prior? Yes. So why has nobody aged a day since then? Because including fucking- Officer Gucci. Well, that's the thing is they're already dead in Silent Hill. He, Gucci's not dead, is he? Well, he's not, but I think they're going with the idea that he was a young... Well, he... No, because his hand, he wears gloves, so that is him. Yeah, Gucci was a kid when the, when the he, fire yeah, took place. He was place. supposed to be a kid when the fire happened. Yeah, so that might even he, be he his dad. About, yeah, he talked about his dad's barbershop. Right, right, okay. So just bad CGI, basically, is the answer to that question. Pretty much. Okay. Or they should have... I think they were just trying to put him there at the moment, so he sounded like he knew more about what was going on than he was letting on type of thing. Hmm. And one more thing we should discuss about this film is how good Alice Cridge was as Christina Bella. Oh, God. I love Alice Cridge. Oh, my God. Like, as the... uh, As the... um, the guest leader of the cult or of the religious oh, okay. uh, family. Okay. She is really fucking good. Yeah, she's she's excellent, and I hate to say it, but she she makes Carrie and Moss look absolutely terrible. Oh my <laughs> as, god, made bad guy. Because oh yeah, Jesus. I mean, I because mean, like Alice Krieger has always been fantastic in like everything I've seen her in. Like, well, she was in what uh, Sleepwalker or not? Was it Sleepwalkers? Was that the name of it? Was that the yeah, was she the mom in Sleepwalkers? No yeah, shit. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. her. Huh. She's the Borg Queen in Star Trek First Contact. She was in uh, Children of Dune as the uh, uh, a couple of different people. And she's in the Ghost Story. Yeah. And uh yeah, she's in a lot of stuff. Yeah, if you want to see her naked, Ghost Story. She's naked a lot in that movie. <laughs> <laughs> but no, she's just absolutely fucking fantastic in whatever she does. She's just she's awesome. So, and yeah, and that's the thing. Yeah, that was one of the things my wife said. We're in the background. She was sympathetic and creepy, but yeah, I have to agree sympathetic. with her. Sympathetic. Yeah, well, sympathetic. She, no, that's the thing. Okay, when when she's when she's she's she doesn't know that uh, the daughter that she's looking for is um, that is a piece of Alessa or looks like Alessa. She's actually being fairly sympathetic. She's like, "Look, I can. We can get you here. We can help you get, you know, get down to the basement to, to confront the beast, type of thing." She she manages to pull off this, or at least the impression of being caring, and, and at the same time being really fucking creepy. <laughs> hmm. Interesting take on it. Yeah. Huh. Like it, it took me to almost the very end to for me to even realize that the people like what's uh, we were just talking about whose name I already just forgot the cultist leader and all of them, um, Christabella. Yeah, that they were already dead. It took me that long to figure that out. Uh, I don't know if you guys realized that much sooner or not, but it, it felt like at this point is when I realized that they were dead, oh, and then I was confused well, on why they were or how they were killing these people who were alive and. <laughs> Well, they're all kind of gray looking. They don't look healthy to begin with. <laughs> you know, so I I wasn't expecting them to <laughs> to, to come out uh, on top here. Uh yeah, I I pretty much knew right away that anybody that crossed in Silent Hills or is dead already. It's kind of like a limbo until you can just deal your deal with your shit, you know? Pretty much. That's kind of, that's what I was getting from it that it was yeah, like whatever limbo. They're in limbo oh, or whatever. It's like a purgatory. Purgatory is a word, yeah. Yeah, except for them, 
uh, I think Alessa was keeping their, them there on purpose to torment them and get her, you know, get her revenge before they moved on. Yeah, I would do the exact same thing. That could be definitely. Well, yeah, and that, that was the other thing too is they they were they were part of it, and their faith kept them safe. Basically, I mean that was why they had to use um, Rose to get in there in the first place. Uh, what? That's why they used Rose to get in there. What do you mean? Uh, Alessa and the demon were bas- bas- both basically like, well, we can't get into the church. They're safe in the church. Oh, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Okay. So yes. we need you. That's why she right. used Rose. Mm-hmm. And I have so much written down, but it's just like, I, it's not even making sense at this point. I, it's <laughs> not worth it talking about. Like, uh, I don't know. Um, all right. Let's see. I don't know. What do you guys, what else you guys got? If you could be any congregation member in the church, who would it be and why? <laughs> oh, man. I, I, I have nothing else No? Nothing, anything else to add, Ash? <laughs> Unless you have questions, then I'd be more than happy to answer them. I okay. don't fucking care do. anymore. I'm done. <laughs> I'm ready to move on. I do have one thing to add. I, yes, um, please. Okay. They they changed the lead in the, in the first Silent Hill video game. Um, yeah, it was the guy. The lead is a guy. They changed it to a woman. I'm fine with that. I don't like their reasoning for it. Their what was the reasoning? The reasoning was because they didn't think a guy, the like the filmmakers, didn't think that a guy could love his daughter enough and have enough emotional attachment to his daughter to go through all this shit. So that's why they, they made the lead a woman. Yeah, that's silly. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I they're both in the exact same I, boat. Like they're both. Yeah. Uh, this is their adopted daughter, so it's not like it came out of one of them. You know what I mean? So I feel like they're both in the exact same boat. Oh, yeah. we are stupid. We did not mention the creepy janitor yet. How can we forget oh my the God, scene yes. in the bathroom? Holy crap! Oh, did you guys How? know that he's also the same guy who plays Pyramid Head and the uh, anus acid spitting creature? Is I did not. Comp- you have to be a contortionist yep. to be the janitor. Right. <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, that's one of the better scenes in the movie was that fucking uh, scene where one, she has to pull something out of that corpse's mouth. Yeah. You know, that's all tied up in razor wire. Mm-hmm. And then when the darkness comes, he comes to life. Creepy. He moves slowly, but it's just the whole tongue thing. Like he's a sexual deviant. That's right. being punished. The razor wire, right? Mm-hmm. Um I thought that was such a cool scene. It's one of the better parts of the movie. I would agree. In my honest, it, yeah, because yeah. it, it's and it, it's right on the heels of that really cool transition from from normal to hell, Silent Hill. You know, with all the pingling and shit too. So it's just like, yeah, this is gonna be fucked up. <laughs> I am not sure what it is with Silent Hill and construction, but it seems that every wall has a uh, metal mesh frame attached to it so i don't know if it's just um you know uh, there's really bad drywall in uh, silent hill that no, they need it's, to um, it, it's no it's not even the drywall that's basically it's uh it's it's supposed to be like the incarnation of well in the movie it's supposed to be an incarnation of alessa's nightmares so it, it's not necessarily that it's an actual wall but it's still a wall and it just happens to be like made out of cage and metal and rusted shit and everything else when it transitions over. It's not yeah. necessarily that that's what they built it with. It's just that's what it, you know, between the two. Oh, okay. 
Because I'm like, man, if I ever go to Sun Hill, um, I'll need a tetanus shot because <laughs> I, I'm a clumsy fuck. And I know I'm going to scrape something or I'm going to lose a toe or, you know. Well, and you know, I don't, I don't want to lose, you know, a whole arm. I'll, I'll take the finger. That's my bad. I should have looked where I was walking. But I don't want to lose my arm, especially the right one. <laughs> uh, oh, we can all imagine why. Oh, yeah. I, I'd rather not. <laughs> if any fans want to send us some la, fan la, art. La, la, la. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Uh, oh, boy. PDF, please. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So let's uh, let's wrap up Silent Hill here and yes. uh, move on to the next one. So, Ash, what are your final thoughts and your star rating for Silent Hill? Uh, I still love this movie. Um I love the I love that they pay homage to the game without being a you know like they're not necessarily slavish to it. Uh they 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 bring in a lot of the inspiration from it and the look, the feel. I love the atmosphere to it. It just it it feels like a great horror film even if I didn't know it was based off a video game. I think this would be a great horror film. Um they uh I think they did a great job with it and I absolutely love it. Uh three and a half out of four for me. Excellent. And what about you, Mark? Um yeah, I liked it. Um I thought uh, as much as the mythology maybe bogs out at the end, which makes things a little confusing. I liked uh you know the practical effects of the film. Um I like the the stars of the film. Uh Sean Bean doesn't die in this one, which is a plus. Um Again, Kim Coates was pretty pretty awesome too, Canadian. Um, the music was really good. I, I dug it, especially back in 06. Um, I thought this was fucking badass. Watching it this last time for tonight, I have to admit I liked it a little less, but just a smidge. Um, so my uh, star rating out of four, I would have to give this uh, probably, I'll, I'll give it a three. All right, excellent, good. So Ash with a three and a half, Mark with a three. So a Silent Hill starts out promising. There's some really beautiful and interesting cinematography, and they introduce elements that could produce some terror later on. Unfortunately, the film is put into the hands of someone who doesn't seem like he knows how to use that setup to his advantage. If it was in the hands of a, of a master of modern horror like James Wan, Lee Winnell, something like that, this would have been a terrifying film that I wouldn't be able to forget. Instead, the movie goes from horror film to mystery film and adds in the most convoluted fucking story I can remember that derails the entire thing about three quarters of the way through. Yes, Pyramid Head is fucking badass, but goddamn, he's underutilized. And now I understand probably why that is, thanks to Ash. Um, there isn't even a payoff with the character at all, which is incredibly disappointing. I'm t- uh, Pyramid Head himself. Um, the bright spot in the film is Jodel Furland, who we talked about. Um, she's the youngest actor here, but she's asked to do the most with the multiple characters she plays. Um, and she plays Alessa and Sharon so differently, and it works really well. Um, the rest of the cast is fine, but no one really stood out to me because no one else was really asked to show the emotional range that, that, uh, the, um, whatever, Jodel was asked. Even Rada Mitchell as Rose stays pretty one note throughout the whole thing because she's almost always playing the mom frantically looking for a child role. Um, there just isn't a lot of depth in many of the characters, but frankly, that's a, probably a good thing because when the film did try to add depth, it just got confusing as hell and it didn't work for me anyway. So I wish I liked this movie. 
I really do. It starts off with so much potential, but it's dragged down in the end by, uh, if not poor, at least awkward writing. Um, a director that doesn't know how to do horror as well as it could be done, and it generally so slow paced that makes getting to the end a real drag. Silent Hill is not terrible, but it's definitely not good either. I'm giving Silent Hill th- uh, two out of four stars. It's one of those films I genuinely will... I I always think to myself, why didn't I like that movie? Because I don't mm-hmm. remember. And I want to go back and watch it. I, I don't think I'll ever watch this movie again. I just... It is... I've seen it maybe three times now and it's just not for me. I'm glad that it somebody others enjoy it. But it's just one of those ones that didn't hit me uh, where I thought it would. So... Moving on to Silent Hill Revelation from 2012. And again, there will be spoilers for Silent Hill and Silent Hill Revelation. So, fair warning. This one is written and directed by Michael J. Bassett. It has an IMDb score of 5.0 out of 52,114 votes, a Metacritic score of 16, a tomato meter of 5% with an audience score on Rotten Tomatoes of 35%, It had a $20 million budget, less than half of the original film, and a gross of $17.5 million. So again, less than half of the original. So Ash, what is your history with Silent Hill Revelation? Uh, Saw it in the theaters. Uh, Saw it when it came to uh, streaming. Um, And apparently I didn't actually pick it up, so I had to go hunt it down. Um, (laughs) uh, But... uh, my wife and I enjoyed it the the first couple times we sang it. Mm, so okay, um, excellent. Personally, well, yeah, I'll go into it later. <laughs> cool. Yeah, and Mark, what about your history with this one? Uh, first time watch a few days ago. I bought the, the Blu-ray and uh, I watched the film in 3D. That's what I was going to ask you. Did you watch? You did watch it in 3D? Heck yes. I did not. I also own the 3D copy, but I did not. And this was my first time watching, uh, but I didn't end up watching it in 3D. Um, so I watched it for the first time yesterday, actually. So I honestly Very can't good. remember if we watched it in 3D or not. And uh, when we saw it in the theaters, I yeah. remember we did, but I might be okay. mixing movies up in my head. It's definitely it's it's definitely a film that uh, knows it's 3D, and uh, I feel like would probably benefit from watching it in 3D. There's not a ton of moments that are gimmicky, but like right in the beginning, there is at least one or two that stand out uh, when you're not watching it in 3d, but how, how did yeah. you like the, just, I guess, start there. How did you like the 3d aspects of the film? Oh, it's not that great. No. Okay. It, it was gimmicky. It's, yeah. there's a reason why this 3d uh, film is pretty cheap to buy. Um, right. I, I didn't think it, it added really much of anything apart from okay. the odd, you know, like spear to, to the camera or the sword to the camera, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I could have watched it in a regular 2D. It would have been fine. Yeah. I love that the very first sound we hear in Silent Hill Revelation is the siren sound from the original that indicated that the darkness or whatever the hell it was was about to take over. Um, a very strong and intelligent use of a recognizable song, sound cue from those that have seen the first film. I like that a lot. Well, it just ties the film. See, I, I didn't know this was going to be a, a sequel in the future. Right. I thought this would have been an entirely new story. That's what I was expecting too, and I was hoping for surprised. that. To be honest, yes, yeah, they, yes. If yeah, they well, one and one and two took a couple different ideas from the first and second game and mashed them together. Um, more of the story from the first game and some of the monsters from the second, but this one jumped right to the third game for its storyline. Is that the because oh, really? it looked like the girl from Silent Hill: The Room? 
No. Uh, is no. Silent Hill 3 is uh, all about... And, yeah, uh, you're right. I was thinking of the wrong cover. Yep. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that's absolutely right. That's what I, was, I was curious which one this was from. For some reason, I had the room ahead, but no, that's, that's wrong. I remember now thinking of the third cover with that orange and white shirt and like coat combination that she was wearing is what I can picture from it. Um, so the opening scene uses a very distinct uh, color grading that made it feel like I was watching a nightmare of instead of reality. And so I was able to kind of guess that we weren't watching real life in the beginning. Um, but that color grading and it's not even just color grading. It's this kind of strange effect, like this le- strange lens effect that they use. And it kind of is there throughout the movie in, in different, uh, levels. Um, and I, I, it's not necessarily a good thing or a bad thing, just something I noticed about the movie, I guess. Um, did you like how it looked throughout this film? Cause it's very different, feels very different than the original. I, I had never actually watched either of these back to back like this before. Like, oh, okay. I literally watched the first one and found the second one and started it up this time around. Gotcha. Uh, so I'd never actually watched them back to back before. I could tell before when I watched it that it didn't quite have the same atmosphere. Um, mm-hmm. and, 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 and to be fair, though, neither did the third game. The third game kind of goes into the surreal stuff and, and it doesn't, you know, and like with the circus and the, the, and every, and the carnival and everything. Um, and she's in a mall at the start of it. So in the third game, it's kind of, it starts off different than the first game by a lot, but I don't, I don't necessarily think different is bad, but it doesn't, it doesn't feel as like the first one felt like, like a, a well put together film. This one visually, at least I don't think the cinematography was as good. And I don't think the shots were planned as well. I think they were more kind of spur of the moment. It's like, yeah, oh, it okay, didn't f- yeah we could do this and this will look cool type of thing. It didn't sound as, it isn't, didn't look as polished as the first one. At yeah, all. exactly. There, there we go. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. One of the, one of the thing, one of the few things I would say that I really liked about the first one was the cinematography, and I think that's missing almost entirely here, uh, disappointingly enough. But so you get loads and loads of CGI to get this thing started, and I don't like we said there was a special feature, so I'm just I have to assume this was mostly CGI. Um, would you guys agree that there was more CGI than the first one? I felt it. Yeah, yeah it felt like it, um... especially Pyramid Head. Right. I thought he looked a lot more CGI than the first one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it was, and yeah. I think it was a different actor too. And I don't think the, the uh, makeup effects for this film were as good as the first one either. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're working with a much smaller budget too. So I'm sure that's, you know, part yeah, of the reason why. Too, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, when I saw when I first saw Sean Sean Bean, I was shocked because I was I I had didn't realize that who we were looking at was just an older Sharon, um, and it it was very confusing to me because they weren't using the same names, and so I for a second there, I was thinking that maybe Sean Bean was playing a different character, which I was just like my mind was blown but that was only for a second then they started saying like oh i was chris then now i'm what's his new name henry hank and harry whatever harry yeah harry name of the uh the character from the original game the guy's name was harry in the original oh, game yeah, first game 
Yes. That's why I knew that. Okay. That made sense. That makes sense. Um, yeah. And that's kind of, um, you know, his, his fake kill is the first time that it screamed, you should be watching this in 3D. But like I said, fortunately, it didn't kind of do that a whole lot as it went on. But so as I was going through it, you know, just kind of doing stream of conscious notes, I was writing down. So why the hell does he care that her roots are showing? Um, but then you come to realize why that is, but then that, that brings up this whole other thing, which I think, uh, I feel like it's probably smarter to talk about that a little bit later on. Um, but it was very clear right from the, the beginning that these two were clearly running from something. They, they move town from town to town. They change their names, but I didn't understand why. And it, it takes quite a, it takes a little while before you finally realize that the reason they're actually moving from town to town, Sharon believes is because they are um, trying to – because um, Harry killed somebody in Chicago or whatever the hell it was. Um, yeah. But in reality, they're moving because they're – I don't know why really. It's like he, realized the, he realizes somebody's after them because okay. right. when, when, right. uh, when he's doing the dream flashback with, uh, with Rose, she basically tells him they're going to keep looking for, for right. Sharon. Yeah, you're right. You're right. I wondered how long Sharon and Rose were gone from Harry's world or separated from Harry because it, Sharon obviously looked, you know, she's significantly older in this one. Um, or uh, no, hang on. Let me rephrase that. So obviously Sharon, the little girl playing Sharon who appears on the couch when Rose brings her back looks older than the Sharon from the original film, but that's just that, you know, the six year gap between the films, that's going to happen. And so yeah. I was just unsure of how, what the dis, dif, uh, time difference was between when they disappeared Silent Hill and when Sh- Rose brought Sharon back to Harry. Well, it was a different actress too, so. <laughs> yeah, and that's why I figured, yeah. Um, well, it has to be at least six years, right? Because there's a split of six years between the, the first and the second film. Um, but it feels longer just because, um, Sharon seemed really young in the first movie. Like, maybe, well, then again, if she's 12 and then she's 18 now, she'd be, you know, like senior in high school. Yeah, maybe six years. Well, she, six she years. wasn't. There's, am I, was she t- supposed to be 12 years old in the first movie? I don't know how kids are anymore. I, I can't recall how I was when I was 12. I would. You think she have, was younger than Oh, 12? I would have thought six or seven. No, seven really? Eight, you think? Yeah. That's, I mean, well, the fuck I know. See, but my my niece is uh, either eight or nine now. And hmm. Sharon seemed a little older to to handle whatever she was handling. I don't know. She, I, I thought she was older. Maybe maybe she wasn't. But hmm. I, I thought 12 ish but again she's kind of stunted emotionally because of all her nightmares right so she could be older but has maybe a a mentality that's a little younger just because of all the shit that's in her head oh why is everything so confusing (laughs) why is nothing clear let's draw a chart right yeah Um, okay okay well the actress who played sharon in the first movie was 12 when she did the first movie holy fuck i'm good oh okay just like that but that I mean that doesn't mean anything about the character's age, obviously. But nothing whatsoever. Yeah, but that is a good call yeah, on <laughs> the actress's age. Between nine and ten, though, because they usually have kids play a couple years younger anyway. Right. Yeah. Ah, interesting. Uh, speaking of of kids, those are the oldest looking high school kids I've ever seen. 
<laughs> Wait, you watched Scream with me, the the TV show, and you, yes. you think those look older than the this ones? Was remark- this was markedly worse. Yes. Yeah, they they did not look like high schoolers. I know. I love that she got made fun of for shopping at Goodwill. I'm like, what? People shop at Goodwill all the time. Like, is that really a <laughs> is that a thing people get made fun of in high for in high school? That's interesting. Yes. Uh, Actually, I got made fun of all the time in high school for wearing. Oh well, yeah, you went to the, you went to high school in the '60s. I'm talking about nowadays. Oh, I'm oh, <laughs> just kidding. That was you know what? Oh, that was I have the same age as Star Wars, motherfucker, and it just turned 40 today. So that was so uncalled for. I I, I apologize, Ash. Yeah, that was not nice. <laughs> yeah, it's gotten worse, it, not better. It's gotten worse, not better, because. <laughs> It, yeah, for kids, it just in kids in general, they're kids are assholes. That's, that's pretty much it. I thought it was so weird the impre- like the way Heather acted or Sharon, whatever the way Sharon acted when she was like introduced to the class. <laughs> I mean, I understand it was like the coping mechanism. Um, it's just what a <laughs> laughable thing to do on your very first day of school. And I love how the teacher says. Um, uh, like quite an impression or, or whatever the, she her response was, I thought was just funny. Well, it's so, such a weird moment. To start with, so you know. Yeah, no, I know. It's just very funny. Oh, um. So as Sharon is walking around, I wrote down. So fuck, this is worse than a Nightmare on Elm Street. Like living in a Nightmare on Elm Street film. At least in a Nightmare on Elm Street, you have to actually fall asleep first. Here. She's just randomly going in and out of this nightmare world for no discernible reason. Um, I, I don't, I don't know. I thought that was so strange. So, like, how long has this been going on? Why is it happening now? What, what's the reason? Yeah, it seemed odd that just you know, like she's she's in the mall, all of a sudden it changes, like yeah. in, in her world, right? So now in the school. The, I think it so, had so now the, to do with her her birthday and uh, that cult chasing after them and uh and and alessa herself although alessa didn't want her to come back uh but uh the cult did and they were trying to drag her in type of thing okay and that's my other huge problem is this this supposed to be the same cult from the first movie it's it's a section of that cult it's it's a different she's christabella's sister uh but uh but they're like a sect of the that same cult why do they have a different logo they're than what we see in the first film? <laughs> because why? Yeah. Because they're a sect and she thinks she's better than Christabel. Maybe they thought the other uh, logo was more sexy for their needs. <laughs> uh, no, seriously, though. Ser- seriously, folks. Yeah, uh, it, it just seems whatever we learned in the first film, it really doesn't com- apply it, as much in this Right. One. It's completely retconned to yeah. make this make sense. Yeah. And yeah, that which, bugged the fuck yeah. out of me. Uh, me too. Um, and see, that's the thing, though, is this one, this version of Silent Hill, though, too, is all about is all about Heather, and and while well, the first one dealt with Rada or Rose, rather. So you know, Silent Hill does change. Well, the first movie was not about Rose, though. The first movie was about Alessa. Oh, was it though? <laughs> how is it about rose it's just the the camera's following rose but rose is all only there because she's trying to find her daughter who then in turn she finds alessa well, and yeah, but the we whole don't know climax 
Yeah, but we don't know why the first game was about Harry because Harry was there looking for his daughter there. And but it was the first game was the Silent Hill was all customized to Harry because when Heather goes in Silent Hill three, the the world is very different for her as opposed to what Harry got. Well, At least see, game this is turn. what I mean. It's just confusing beyond belief to me, and I don't understand why it has to be. Um, so, and, and speaking of that, like talking about other Silent Hills, is that supposed to be why this one feels so different and looks so different? Like, even has a carnival set up in it? Like, is that the justification for that change from the first movie to the second movie? Because if not, I thought it was just horrible continuity. Like uh, this, no, it's it's because it'll be slightly different for every yeah. person. Yeah, that's cheap. It's massively different. Like, uh, like if you play uh, Silent Hill Origins, uh, the town looks completely different than it did in the first game. <laughs> I think that's my problem with the movie is that I don't know that everybody has their own little slice of hell. Right, exactly. So I, I'm trying to. I'm trying to, you know, uh, to relate point A to point B from film one to film two. Yes. And it's just, it, it's, but that's what's frustrating me. And I'm like, why isn't it like the first film? Right. Why? It's the same person. Yes. So why is it a different hell exactly. if it's the same person? Yeah. It, you know? Like whose hell was the first on the hill? Was it the little girl or was it the mom's? Because if it's a little girl, well, now she's older now. It should be the same fucking hell. Right. Well, and that's the thing is they did a shitty job of explaining it. I, yes. I, yeah. They they relied the the sequel especially relies too much on the people seeing the film having played the games. Right, and that should like the definitely the, not be the case. Yes. The original creator of the games though didn't want people to understand why Silent Hill was like this. Like there wasn't supposed to be an overall reason why it changed for every person. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I mean, hell, if you beat, if you, if you do the right things in the first game, uh, aliens are responsible for the whole fucking thing. Oh, man. Really? Yeah. Aliens? Ridiculous. Ugh. Um, So, where isn't evil? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Uh, So, okay, what else? Um, Going back to the mall just for a minute, I thought the, um, or I guess, no, this was before. Before she got to the mall, I guess, as she was walking toward it, the creepy clown kids that showed up, or they were kids at a party, and then like everything turned creepy when Sharon looked at it. I thought that looked yeah. really cool. I thought that was a nice effect. But I just, again, I why just it's happening. It. Yeah, that's the thing. I just, I just don't get why it's occurring. Right. It made no sense to me, you know? Like, mm-hmm. at least in the first film, you hear the siren, you know shit's going to change. Here, it's like she blinks and she's in a different world. Yeah. And here, again, like, so these dead people, right, this cult, can just summon creatures to be there. And Well, that's what I initially thought, but it's actually the cult leader who we find out at the the end of the movie. But she just, like, appeared out of nowhere in the mall and tried to take out uh, Sharon. But it's like she literally, like, literally, it looked like she fell from the ceiling. Like, how is that? It's just like it just felt like this is just jumping the shark completely. Yeah, yeah. it's funny because the uh, uh, the dude, uh, the guy from uh, Game of Thrones, uh, Vincent. Vincent, he's like, yeah, dude, the personal sacrifice. I was able to break through and bring you back, mm-hmm. but then you got this again, a shitty Hellraiser style monster yeah. that attacks the taxer in the, in the elevator and slices the, the dude's uh, fingers off. Right. Um, how is that person? 
that we find out later on who it is, but how how is that monster able to phase in and out like that? That's exact. That was my. Because, that was such a huge problem I had with it. Yes, because Why? she is seeing the like when they're at the. Uh, I guess is it by the uh, uh, by the uh, top subway, whatever you know. You see like the group of the five people in the in the minor uh, uh, masks. Okay. It's like, oh, do you see who I'm seeing? And like, right. they fade in and out. Yeah. So how the fuck are they being? Pre- how, how can they make their appearance known? <laughs> right. But not be tangible. I, I don't know. It's just it's weird. A lot of it just bugged me. So mm-hmm. and, and again, I don't know if the future games explains and expands on these uh, themes. But as somebody who hasn't played those games, I was totally fucking lost. Yeah. Agreed. A hundred percent. Heather. Heather says because. Uh, What's his name? Vincent says, like, oh, I think you're goofy fun on the inside. And Heather says, goofy fun. That'd be nice for a change. I was like, Heather, don't be so fucking early text. Don't be so textbook early 2000s emo child. Give me a break. Yeah. Stop being Daria. You know? <laughs> yes, exactly. Hey, oh, man. Alone. <laughs> yeah. It bugged the hell out of me. I wrote it down so many times that the symbol, like, why not be the same? But if you're saying it's a different sect, okay, fine makes sense but man um and then some things i was writing down as i was going they were cleared up later on um so i'm trying to just kind of skip through those obviously but um one thing that i I just hated about this was the the relationship between vincent and heather i did not believe that for a fucking second like at first it was like why would he just agree to run from the cops from this girl who doesn't even know and then i and then you come to realize oh because he's you know part of the cult part of it you know but then he decides to turn his back on the cult and he's you know falling for her and everything it's like you know nothing about her you've spoken with her for two fucking hours like what like how am i how am i supposed to buy this shit like what technically he knows everything about her because the cult's been teaching him how evil she is right Right, but what he knows about her her right but he hates that about her what he is supposed to love about her is what he's found out now who the real person is and so it's at, well, some, uh, sometimes, man, you know, you just you just, just know. see the girl and takes her breath away. You know, yeah. it's like at first sight. You know what I mean? And plus, how many girls are in that cult? And he's seeing a hot blonde. He's like, okay, you know what I mean? <laughs> oh, it's so dumb. Oh, and that's something else. Okay, so you're telling me in this on hill, people are able to have kids and live there, so they're not dead, or are right. like, what is Vincent? Is he a human, or is he, you know? Uh, is he a specter? Like, yeah. again, is he alive? Or is he maybe, you know, is he the the spiritual, uh, this, you know, is, is it a dead child? Like, you know, maybe it was a, an aborted fetus. And now, oh, oh, now he's in, he's born in Silent Hill instead. But if he can show up in a school and have people see him and be a thing, why wouldn't they all just do that and go live lives? Like, it just... Well, it takes a very personal <laughs> sacrifice, and it's not for very long. Yeah. Oh, he, okay. he has a limited time frame to bring her back to the other side. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, I missed that too. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking obnoxious. Um, all right, what else? So, okay, so we find out that uh, Heather, whatever, Sharon, thinks that they're running from the police. Okay, that clears a few things up. But it adds other questions, mostly being, why 
in the hell does um, Harry, whatever, Chris, tell 99% of the story, but leaves out that last 1%. I could not find a good valid reason or think of a good valid reason for that to happen other than the reason that the writer did it was to add tension to the film. And I thought it failed miserably at that. But like, I just don't understand. Tell her everything. All this shit about Silent Hill. But you leave out the one part that they're actually running from like demons from Silent Hill. Like, I just, I don't know. So fucking weird to me. Well, and um, that's the thing, though, is she was so traumatized by it the first time. Why would you want to remind her? So she's okay. So your argument then is that she's just leading a normal life ever since she was brought back from Silent Hill through today when she starts seeing weird things as normal as possible with a crazy cult following you. She knew nothing of Silent Hill in the first movie, yet she was dreaming about it. So what makes you think that that would have changed between now and then? Silent Hill let her go, but they're cha- no, isn't Silent, Silent Hill chasing her? her go. Right? Isn't Silent Hill chasing her? I'm so confused. No, no, no. no. Yeah, the, the, the mom was able, or uh, whatever. So many names now. No I know exactly. So the mom was able to to have her break free through the portal or whatever barrier there is between Silent Hill real world. Mm-hmm. That's why Silent Hill wants her back. Right? But they did not let her go. Well, and that's the thing, though. Silent Hill doesn't necessarily want her back. The cultists want her back. So they can get rid of her and 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 get rid of Alessa and be free. Huh, okay. Technically, it did let her go because it put the roads back, so that she could leave. But she roads. But she wasn't. She was still in the fog though, like the entire time. So she was driving on a road, but she didn't really leave anywhere because she was still in that fog universe, or not fog. It's ash in that ashy universe. Because even when she gets to her house in Ohio from West Virginia, there's still ash everywhere. Well, yeah, because shit from West Virginia follows you home. Trust me, I've driven <laughs> through West Virginia enough that, you know, it happens. But, yeah. And and so, speaking of all that retconning, they literally do 90% of that retconning in one car ride. Like, <laughs> trying to justify everything that's happening in the sequel in that one car ride with Vincent and Sharon driving and they end up at, like, the hotel or whatever they end up at. Um, and I was just, man, oh man, there's just so much going on in this exposition, changing of exposition in this one ride. Um, and this is also where we learn that there's more to the story than just the fact that they thought she was a witch, I guess. But I can't elaborate on that because I don't remember. I don't remember, but yeah. Do we know where they are geographically? Obviously, they're driving to West Virginia, but how far away was that? And uh, they never make any indication, do they? No, they never said. Okay. Just strange. Uh, And it's kind of like, we don't know where we are geographically. The time was off for me as I was watching. Uh, It was just uh, so much annoying, small, annoying things like that. Um, I I think I was just annoyed watching it because it just didn't match the first film. mm -hmm. Not that I wanted a duplicate. But I didn't want a sequel to begin with. I really thought that would be this be a different story altogether, or I, a different group of people. Yeah, and in a way, it is different people because everybody has got different fucking names. But uh, just trying to understand mythology, I, I, maybe I just skipped on some some minor details like that. Yeah, um, I, I, I just didn't care. To be honest right. with you, I'm like, this is so different than the original film. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, 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 I'm halfway through. I'm kind of hate watching it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then we get, you know, 
I, 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 in a way, I don't want to jump too far ahead, but at the same time, it's a two and a half hour podcast. I know, jump, but jump. When okay, Malcolm McDowell. <laughs> oh, he hasn't made anything good since fucking oh. a Clockwork Orange. Like oh. seriously, when that's, he's a part of a production, that's not true. You know, it's a fucking a low budge. Name me something. Decent Halloween. In. He was fantastic in Halloween. Name me something decent. Ah, oh, okay. My God. But he's been doing so much direct-to-video garbage that I don't. I, I just don't like him as a rec- oh thirty-one. Yeah, that was really good. Uh, I just don't consider him a decent actor anymore and when i saw he was the grandfather i fucking groaned out loud <laughs> i was like oh I was, really i was very surprised to see him yeah between yeah i just <laughs> i was expecting something better i just don't like the guy anymore hmm. honestly so I, I groaned at that and then like him, oh then yeah. carrie Ann moss right who plays uh the cult leader this time yeah well, she's supposed to have, I guess, uh, uh, you know, the whole like, you know, white face. Mm-hmm. But you can clearly see her eyebrows. <laughs> they, they didn't uh, shave her eyebrows. So you, you can see that she's got eyebrows. Oh, man. I don't I, think you're supposed to. I didn't notice that, to be honest with you. It was and, something I missed. And it's, and it's funny because like she appears on screen. I'm like, is that Carrie Ann Moss? I'm like, that's Carrie Ann Moss. I'm like, oh, I feel bad for Carrie Ann Moss. <laughs> I was like, who is that? Delighted sadness in a span of 30 seconds. Mm-hmm. <laughs> really for I'm That's so hilarious. glad you got, you got hooked up with Jessica Jones on Netflix. Because <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, I like her as an actress, but this is not a good choice for her. Yeah. This is just garbage. One one small detail that bugged the shit out of me, and we can you can try justifying it all you want. It's bullshit. Oh, the right. Silent Hill sign is one of the most iconic images from the original film. She is walking on the left hand side of the road, and the signs on the right hand side of the road. In this film, the fucking sides sign is on the opposite side of the road. I'm like, are you kidding me? Uh, yes, you can justify it. She came in from the other side of the town. They, it's a different side, blah, blah, blah. No, that's the most iconic shot. One of the most iconic shots, at least for me. Anytime I see pictures of the film, I see that yeah. sign. Her walking in the ash with silent, welcome to Silent Hill on the right hand side of the shot. And here it's on the left. I'm like, come on, man. Are you kidding me? Like, just, it's an obvious thing and an easy thing to get right. And I feel like it should have been right there. Honestly, I didn't notice. <laughs> I don't know why I know. Like, I don't notice shit like that normally. But this one, I was just like, really? I don't, it was just something about it. <laughs> that one got me. But, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah well, a, a good good eye, I guess. You know? Uh, did you find Waldo in the film? Um, but, yeah, no. I, uh, yeah, I, I didn't even notice that. That's, that's a detail that completely flew over my head. Um. So, and I'm just not remembering, but. I feel like at one point they try to change it to, oh, I think this is when they're kind of telling the story of um, Anessa's mom. Um, they they try to change it so that she says that the people, the cult, thought that she was going to survive the fire. Is that what they said maybe or something like that? Like they weren't trying to kill her in the fire or something? The fire uh, would kill her, and, um, but she was too strong or something. I don't know. Okay. We'll move on because I don't remember. I, 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 I couldn't tell you. I yeah. have no recollection. Don't Again, I only saw the film once. So right. I, I um, honestly the 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 best the, the best and only line I really remember from Dahlia is from the is uh, from the first movie where she says, um, uh, "Fire, uh, fire doesn't clone. 
it chars it blackens. Yeah, fire doesn't cleanse; it blackens. Hmm. Yeah, I don't even I don't remember that line. It's when they're going into the church just before uh, Pyramid Head rips the skin off of Anna. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Oh, I thought you were talking about from this one. Okay. No, I was talking about. It, I, yeah, this is the first one. Yeah. Um. So. The only thing, so at one point she's walking through this room with all these mannequins, and the only thing I could think is, why isn't this scary? It's the same problem I had with the original. I just had so much in there that should be scary, but it's not. And nothing is more disappointing for me in a horror film than that, I don't think. Uh, you know. But then seconds later, hey, at least we got some non-CGI nudity in this film, so there's that, right? But man, I just thought well, there's so much to be that could be used here to scare me, and nothing is. They're not trying to do that. I, I was surprised by the nudity. Yeah, me too. Um, and you know what? I like the idea of the mannequin spider. Yes. I just did not like the CGI ness of the mannequin spider. Yeah, it was definitely CGI. It like it looked entirely oh, yeah. CGI. But I still yeah. liked it though. I, that was one one um, creature that I thought I actually really liked. Yeah, that was a high point. Yeah, I, I and then. To- creep my shit out and and even again watching it now it's just like oh god yeah i agree um and so now speaking of the nudity so now we're supposed and and again correct me if i'm wrong because i very well could be but we're now we're supposed to believe that silent hill is just kind of sucking in random people to turn them into mannequins like why would that be the case the only reason these people are here in this film at this point is to add more fodder uh to for people to die and that yeah. they're just completely pointless otherwise, and to show their new uh, their boobs. That's it. Yeah, uh, I don't get it either. Why? Okay. Like, were those girls her classmates from the beginning of the film that were calling her basic? I believe it was. What? And if so, I don't. Why? Man. You don't believe so? I, I, don't I thought know. they were. I didn't even cross my mind until you said it. Yeah, yeah I sure. thought they were. Um, and. Are they there because, oh, you know, the yeah. Oh, evil side yeah. of her? Yeah, because it, it, it could be them, actually, now that I think about it, because it opened up the portal to Silent Hill in the fucking mall, and it could have grabbed a whole shitload of people. Where did teenagers Ooh. hang out? The mall. Now there's a portal to Silent Hill? Well, when she flips it's more like a vacuum. And, uh, and sees all that shit. And oh, is that? Out. Okay. Yeah. Ugh, okay. Fair enough. Yes, fair enough. Um. I wish there was more urgency to Sharon looking around this place. Like it's she like couldn't physically be moving any slower, um, and it's making the whole fucking movie drag. Um, but as the as the character, you have a goal, you need to achieve it. Why is she stopping every two steps, examining everything around her? It just it made it slow. Like I could understand if you want to say that she was in a scary place. Yeah, okay, but. At the same time, this is a movie. Like, it needs to move. Like, do something. You're a character. You have a goal. Achieve it. Like, do something instead of just frolicking about. Yeah. Um, the thing is, I don't know what she... Yeah, because we know that she knows where the metal is. Mm-hmm. But I don't think she just knew where the asylum was. Yeah, maybe. Like, yeah. Hope was going to the asylum. Next thing you know, then she's... Be confronted by the uh, by the cult, and then you know you got your final battle. Right. I just don't think she she knew where the. Well, the thing is, so she's also being stopped, right? Because they had the whole like circus thing. Was the circus thing before? That after was, she gets the medal. That was. I don't remember after. Anymore. I thought. 
I think no, I feel, circus, that feels later. The circus started off the or the carnival or whatever started off the, the visions though the dream. Well, yeah, in the very beginning of the movie, yeah. But at this point, I think she goes back to the carnival later. Yeah, she does. She has yeah. to because that's where the the where she needs to go is. Was okay. Was the name of the seal? I swear! I swear! Every time they said it, I heard the seal of Megatron. Metatron. Uh, uh- Metatron, yeah. Metatron. Do you remember? M-E-T-A. Okay. Metatron is the angel who's the voice of God. Yeah. Also, Um, it's the, I believe it's the God that Carlos Santana believes in. (laughs) Because when Smooth came out with Thomas, I remember an article in Rolling Stone where he kept talking about Metatron. So it's, I guess it is a uh, a name based in... uh, our realities, uh, spiritual books, or whatever. So it is a god in some um, in some culture. Um, I'm not from, and that's also the same Metatron, isn't that? Who uh, was in um, uh, was in uh, shit? A Kevin Spacey movie? Not Kevin Spacey. Kevin Smith. Uh, uh, yeah, Dogma. Yeah, Dogma. Dogma. Yeah. Wasn't that? Uh, oh fuck my. Alan names. Rickman. Yeah. It, thank you very much. I've been up since 3 30 this morning. <laughs> that was Adam Rickman's character, uh, so he's the voice of God. Uh, I've been up since like 2 <laughs> 30. I've been drinking. I don't know about you guys. <laughs> <laughs> so, yay me. <laughs> um, Anyways, uh, yeah. what were we talking about? Metatron. Yeah. yeah, so Metatron is a known, it's, it's not a made of bullshit name for the film. It is. Based okay. in historical spiritual documents of whatever culture, uh, I, I don't know. Every time I heard Megatron, it was fucked with my head so much because all I could think about is, oh, next week's Transformers, next week's Transformers, and this is perfect because it's tying Megatron in to this one. I was so happy. Well, that's oh. funny too because I keep thinking Seal, and I'm thinking Kiss from a Rose. <laughs> so. Oh man. Yeah. All right. I mean, uh, I we could keep going. We, this, this is getting kind of long here. Let uh, let's just kind of wrap it up. Uh, it's just kind of me. I don't really have any other major things to talk about. It's just kind of small things that bothered me throughout the whole thing. Um, okay. Can okay. we talk quickly about the final fight between Pyramid Head and um, yes, Claudia? Our, our main her- fucking antagonist of the film isn't even involved in the final fight of the film. Yes, please talk about that. Okay, so all I'm thinking of when I'm watching this, I'm thinking it's a rust-colored version of Hellraiser. Like, it, it, it's a <laughs> shitty Hellraiser uh, wannabe monster. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. no eyes, bounded by the mouth. I'm like, if it, instead of... It'd be Hellraiser if it was black. But right. in this character, in this situation, it's rust and it's lame. That fight with Pyramid Head was lame as fuck. It, I it was. hated it. Oh my god, it sucked. And especially after I finished watching these girls with guns Asian movies mm-hmm. on on Midnight uh, Pulp, watching this bored me to tears. I couldn't care. I was looking at my Twitter account at the same time. It was short I as just hell did too. Not care. It was, and it was anticlimactic. I just I was done with the film two yeah. thirds of the way in. Oh yeah, and and then like. And I'm sure it was explained, but I missed it. But Pyramid Head is like a good guy now, and it's just like, ah, uh, well, why? Protector, right? And well, now that Alyssa is back, joined with uh, Sharon or Alyssa and Heather, whatever you want to call her, mm-hmm. they're they're whole again, right? So Pyramid Head is protecting the Alyssa part. Oh, okay, gotcha. That makes sense. I, I don't like it, but it makes sense. Yeah. Um. 
And this is kind of when I, I appreciate began to appreciate the effect work in the first Silent Hill because the ash in this film gave the movie such a shitty look. Uh, yeah. That when it looks so natural in the original. And I honestly think it's because of the green screen work. It looks like it's almost all 100% green screen here, where it was obviously a mix of practical and green screen for the, or practical and effects uh, for the town in the original. But, ah, so at the end, he is, he decides that he's going to leave his daughter. So we spend this entire movie where the, so the last one, obviously, where the, where the mother was simply searching for a missing child to just end this one with the dad voluntarily walking away from his daughter. I thought that was was interesting. I mean, is he going to go like live in the fucking ash with Rose, assuming she's still alive after all these years? And would Rose me. know that her daughter and her husband have crossed over? Right. Yeah. Like, why is she you, nowhere you to be so- found? If she if she can momentarily phase and talk to her husband in the mirror, mm-hmm. you would think that once uh, a loved one crosses over, that she would know. Right. And why wouldn't she know? Because we are making up the rules as we go along. Exactly. So, yeah, she had a pager. And, uh, you know, it buzzed as soon as he walked across. So, why would she not run towards her daughter's help or, mm-hmm. you know, daughter, her daughter's aid or – you know, try to maybe say – I was waiting for her to save her husband who was all chained up in that uh, shitty uh, yeah. dagger, wannabe, you know, droopy man statue. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, and that never happened. Right. Uh, because uh, Rada Mitchell has better things to do yeah. than we're going to for a date. <laughs> That's all. Was there like an explosion at the end that I missed or something? Because why were the cops driving into Silent Hill at the end? They were – okay. I will explain to you the ending to this movie because – Unlike the first one where they made subtle references to the game, these are not so subtle references to the other fucking games. The trucker that picks them up is the trucker from Silent Hill Origins, which tells the origins of why Silent Hill is like this in the video games. So that's a complete and total reference to him. The cops with that bus going through is a reference to, I think, Silent Hill 5, uh, which I don't remember the title to, but it wasn't The Room. It was... Uh, one of the further the ones reckoning. on. Yeah, the uh, basically uh, a prison bus transfer overturns going through Silent Hill, and one of the prisoners is wandering around Silent Hill, and that was that's that's oh. what that is a reference to. Yeah, my God, that's what I mean. Yeah. Like, provide yeah. some fucking motivation or some reason for your choices in this, other than if you know if you haven't seen the, or played the games. Two different worlds. Not all gamers watch movies. Not all film people play games. Like, if you're going to release a horror film, release a horror film that well, can stand on its own. Thing, you know, that's the big difference between, I think, the the first movie and this one is, some, you know, like, the the references are a little more blatant and beating you over yeah. the head in this one. And they aren't in the first one. Mm-hmm. Like, I appreciate the fan service. And you want to have kind of, like, some Easter eggs you know, for those Absolutely. who know the mythology. Absolutely. But you also have to make your film make sense to those that do not know the mythology. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And see, I can go in- I was perfectly fine with the trucker picking them up. It makes perfect sense for for that. But then just random cops just driving by. It's like, yeah. really? come on. And you're going to end on that shot. It's like, oh, okay. Um, and I think it's kind of a good way to kind of wrap up the whole video game arc. Because, I mean, it's that... It's that trick right adding in those small things those easter eggs that people that have played the game are going to appreciate and and love but still making a cohesive 
film that if you haven't played the game, you you still will enjoy. Looking back, so what did we watch? Super Mario Brothers, which yep. didn't do that. Dead or Alive, which I would argue did do that. I thought it did that quite well. Mm-hmm. Um, Max Payne. I I don't know. I feel like they probably could have added a little bit more of the video game in um, from what I was yeah. hearing from Ash, but and then you know more of that bullet time yes exactly but so then again though too much bullet time and the movie becomes a gimmick you know yeah, it becomes like, a matrix right that's what i think is what yeah. you said yeah <laughs> oh whatever yeah yeah but you know what we should have watched instead was doom i would have i love doom yeah i love doom i know um all right let's let's wrap this up it is please getting late um ash what is your final thoughts on your star rating for silent hill revelation I like the general story for Silent Hill Revelation. Uh, I, 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 I personally, I would have preferred them going to Silent Hill too, just because I think that one's probably one of my favorites of the series. Uh, but I, I like that they kind of followed it up with with the Alessa thing. It, some of the motivations are murky. I think they they don't spend enough time with a couple of the characters, so they just kind of rush through like the second act uh quite a bit it's like you know they don't know when to hit the brakes and kind of let things develop um it's visually not as good as the first one um and they they beat you over the head with it too much i think they they should have relied less on the video game and more on is this a movie something that stands alone on its own uh that being said i do enjoy it uh it was a fun watch again um uh, I don't know. I give it. Uh, I give it two and a half out of four. All right, two and a half out of four. Perfect. And what about you, Mark? Your thoughts, final thoughts, and starting for Silent Hill Revelation. Well, I found a poem that kind of suits the film <laughs> a lot uh, I wait. because of the vi- the variations on what uh, this was was compared to the first one. Um, you know, uh, I'll, I'll just go ahead with it here. Um, I am the game. And I make the rules. So move <laughs> on out Christ. of here and you can die like a fool. Oh my god. That's back to back. Triple H references. Oh man. Come on over, sucker. Why don't you ask me? Well, oh. if you're asking me, I think this movie was a stinking pile of shit compared to the first one. <laughs> um, if it wasn't a first film, it'd be, pr- it'd be semi decent. But since I really enjoyed the first one, um, I was so I wanted to like this movie. Uh, like I bought it, uh, sight unseen, because I like the first one a lot. I like the myth, again the mythology of like the first few games. Um, I did not expect this to be a sequel. Uh, I expected this to be a completely alternate or completely new chapter. Uh, you know, in a, with new characters. Um, yeah, I really didn't not like the direction this story took. Um, but at the same time, it's not all bad. Like we're, we're, we're shitting on it a lot because we're just confused. Mm-hmm. If somebody sat down and really explained to us, I'm, I'm sure I'd probably have a great appreciation and I'd probably watch it again. Um, but, you know, again, you, I hate spiders. You got a mannequin spider, which was pretty cool, even though it was very uh, CGI, but I like the idea of it. Um, uh, Pyramid Head, still a cool character. Thank God they didn't make him take his mask off. <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> Can you imagine if they sat down for tea and he takes off his mask and has a conversation with her? <laughs> Fuck. Oh, actually, I kind of want to see that now. Yeah. I really do. Bonus features. Um, yeah. Right. Um, so it, this is, it's not a good film. 
it's but it's not completely horrible as well. I'm gonna give this one out of five. A one point five out of four, sorry. One point five. One and a half stars out of four. Perfect. Yes. So for me, Silent Hill Revelation is a frustrating film. Much like the first movie, there's so much potential for moments of sheer terror, and instead they toss it aside to deliver a story that barely made any sense, and when it does, it's just uninteresting to follow. There are a lot of small things that are missed or changed from the original film that makes this movie feel lazy a lot of the time. If you want to make something different, why tie these characters so closely to the last film? Give us some new people to follow and a new storyline, and then you're more free to do things how you want. When you decide to stick to the exact same characters as the original in the same setting, though, the audience expects certain things. Now, if you were to deliver something better or stronger than our expectations set up, fantastic. Surprise me all you want. But for that to work, it has to jive with the original story that was presented, and that's where this one falls. Um, why weren't any of these order people mentioned in the first film if they're the entire reason why this cult was burning Alessa to begin with? And if they're the same group of people, which I think we've decided they're not, uh, but if they were, then we'd have even more problems to, to get into. Um, I, I hate saying only negative things about a film when we review them, but fuck, I hated this movie. At least the original had some really strong cinematography to make it look pretty. Here, we're stuck with copious amounts of CGI that range from decent to shoddy, and it does a poor job of delivering the same atmosphere that the town in the original did. Um, and how are you going to take the coolest baddie from the first film and then flip him around? Now he's the good guy. And now that you've explained it, I understand it. But oh, just fuck. What a frustrating movie. And that's where I have to end it. I'm giving Silent Hill Revelation one out of four stars. And that, my friends, yeah. is the video arc, uh, the video game adaptation arc portion of today's show and of this arc. So. Excellent. Ooh. All right. With that in mind, let's uh, move on to round 30 of the Besting the Backlog Challenge. This, of course, where we conquer our personal backlogs one week at a time. So, Mark, you yes. watched King Arthur from 2004, courtesy of Ash. Mm -hmm. I watched The Wizard from 1989, courtesy of Mark. And Ash, you watched IT from 2016, courtesy of myself. I will um, jump in here with The Wizard. So... I don't buy a lot of DVDs anymore, but I did recently pick up The Wizard on DVD because it was super cheap for my local uh, used media store, Disc Replay. Um, I've always heard about this and knew that it was a, a video game related movie, but I'd never seen it before. And honestly, I wish I would have seen this one when I was around the same age as the kids in the movie because I feel like it could have been one that I watched obsessively back then. Um, so... The Wizard, if you haven't seen it, it's about a uh, boy uh, and his stepbrother, I believe it is, or brother. I think it's a stepbrother. Yes. Yeah. Step and um, uh, they are running away from home. So on the way to California, where they decide they want to go, they run into a uh, double dragon video cabinet at a bus station. And it turns out that Jimmy, one of the brothers, is something of a video game wizard. Uh, this catches the eye of a third child, Haley, who sees how good he is at the game and introduces them to the idea of going out to Los Angeles to compete in the Ultimate Video Game Championships, which has a $50,000 cash prize, which they would split. Then, at that point, the rest of the movie is about whether or not the threesome will make it to the championships before getting caught by this asshole whose job it is to catch runaway kids or by their father, and then if they make it, will they win? So, as a kid, I could absolutely see... How, how this would have been the ultimate fantasy, you know, going cross country with no parents, playing video games and trying to win a ton of cash. That's awesome. And that said, even as an adult watching it, I had a great time. 
It's just an enjoyable flick with a heartwarming story. Is it predictable? Absolutely. Is it incredibly unrealistic? Oh, yeah. But it also presents three likable kids that are really strong actors, and they do a great job leading the film. Um, there isn't a lot of uh, noteworthy cinematography or interesting editing or anything like that. Instead, The Wizard relies on good, old-fashioned storytelling, and it does that really well. Now, it was awesome seeing some of the old video games that I love, and I can only imagine how breathtaking it would have been to see footage from Super Mario Bros. 3 on the big screen before you were actually able to play it at home. I mean, that must have been such a cool moment for kids back in the day. Um, the bad guys are cartoon-like in their portrayals, but that works just fine here. Um, this isn't one I'll watch over and over, but I would definitely purchase a collector's edition Blu-ray if it was loaded with special features, which I hope happens in the future. Um, so, uh, you know, though the, the wizard isn't going to be one that I'll remember forever, like some people who watched it at a young age might... It's still a solid family film that can make you smile, and that's good enough. So I'm giving The Wizard three out of four stars. Nice. Yeah. So have you seen this one recently? Uh, probably the last time I saw it was probably a few years ago. Okay. Because the, one, because the actor who was the one sending up the kids at Video Armageddon, yeah. who is actually in, um, in uh, parts of the Caribbean, he was going to be at a convention in Winnipeg. And oh. I debated... Oh going to the convention just to get that actor to sign the poster because I have a, a wizard poster. <laughs> uh, but I'm like, the guy's in the film for like maybe a minute and a half. Am I going to pay, you know, a hundred some bucks, you know, to get in and get the autograph for the wizard? Right. So I didn't. I kind of, I kind of kick myself because every time, because he has impacted me because every time I think of Ninja Gaiden, I think of the way he says it. <laughs> so when I read it, when I read, you know, like a reading a magazine and it says Ninja Gaiden, I, I see, I just hear him saying it. So maybe yeah. he was worth $100. I don't know. That guy, man, the, he was so ridiculous. Oh, like, yeah. what a small great. part to remember. Like, <laughs> I know, oh, man. And like, you know, and even like, and, and the girl, you know, the, he touched my breast girl. Mm -hmm. You know, she's a really well known uh, singer songwriter now. Uh, you know, Fred Savage is Fred Savage. Right, yeah. And since I was a kid, I always wanted to go to California because of this movie. So this <laughs> film really did impact my youth. And yeah. uh, it's so much fun to watch. And like that Power Glove, it's so bad. Oh, my God. I know. Oh, my God. Yes, some of the lines. such an, awesome, so such an bad. awesome bad guy. Oh, my God. I love it. Yeah, it's so stupid. Yeah, it's, it's 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 a fun movie for those who have never seen it, and if you haven't, shame on you. I can't say that to you now because right. you've seen it. But uh, it, to me, it's worth watching. You know, with your kids mm -hmm. or, or whatever. You know, uh, but you know, okay, like myself. You know, I, I'm I'm 38. So I'm pushing 40. Me watching it for the first time will not. Will I won't be as amazed as I was? You know, me watching when I was 12 or 13. Exactly. So yeah. it just it is. The product of its time. Ash, you had to have seen this one when you were younger, I imagine, right? Um, yeah, one of my friends had it on VHS and okay. watched it obsessively. Gotcha. So I'd seen it a couple times. And then yeah. you should have seen him go ape shit when we watched Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare, and Freddy pulls out the power glove. Oh my <laughs> god. I love it. That's fucking awesome. Excellent. So Ash, go ahead and talk about <laughs> Go ahead and talk about IT from 2016. Boy, was it a fucking dud. Oh, my God. Oh, really? Oh, Pierce, he let you down. Well, it... okay. It, it's your basic stalker plot. Uh, 
except this time it deals with an IT guy stalking this guy's daughter and then because the the family rejects him he decides to ruin the guy's like company you know as IT professionals do <laughs> yeah it just i don't know it 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 was slow it was predictable it looked good I would love to have Pierce Brosnan's house in this because it's like all wired up and shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, you know, ugh. Um, there was uh, there was a couple good scenes, but overall, I think they're probably the, the best sequence is uh, later on. Pierce Brosnan decides to try to get even. Uh, and, you know, and go after the dude. And there's this great, really tense sequence uh, surrounding the guy's apartment um, that I love. I won't go into too many details because it's a spoiler if people want to watch it. But um, that was probably the most interesting part of the whole movie. Uh, but I was just, it was eh. The, the IT guy didn't have any charisma. He wasn't creepy. He was just kind of annoying. Um, Brazen had a weird accent. I don't know if it's his actual accent or if he, he was putting one on for this one. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I don't know. It was, eh, it's like, I, I was so eh on it that I couldn't yeah. decide whether I wanted to like or dislike on Netflix. So I just left it alone. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it, it was just like, it's just like, I, eh, it's just like, eh, you know, I don't know. Yeah. It, it, I think if it didn't have Pierce Brosnan in it, it would have been an instant dislike, honestly. Uh, yeah. That was pretty much the only reason I didn't, you know, I, I'm kind of waffling on it. I might eventually dislike it, but it's just kind of like, eh, I don't know. <laughs> it, it, if you're into like those thriller, you know, stalker movies, you know, give it a shot. But it, it basically it's the it's a thriller stalker movie set out to make look technology look horrible. And the thing is, um, we've seen it better with. Um, Oh, that show we liked or we watched black mirror black mirror yeah we've seen we've seen similar themes in black mirror done much better uh in shorter time so <laughs> you know it's just like eh, i don't know i i i couldn't recommend it really so it's just kind of okay well, that sucks yeah all right so how many stars did you give that one <sighs> I'm gonna I'm gonna give it like a one and a half out of four. Okay, yeah, that's a thumbs down. Yeah. Excellent. But Pierce Brosnan, but right, exactly. Oh man! All right. So what about King Arthur from 2004, uh, Mark? Um. So I've owned this. Almost since it came out on DVD. <laughs> I bought it at Blockbuster. You know, when you buy four, you go in for free. Yes. Or, you know, you get five for 30 bucks right, type of yeah. thing. Um, so, again, I've been sitting on this for a long time. Um, I wish I didn't. It was actually really good. Uh, it, you know, like the pedigree is really good in this film. Like it's directed by Antoine Fuqua. Who, he's the one who did Training Day. Um, he did Southpaw recently. Olympus Has Fallen. Uh, Brooklyn's finest. So, like, he's a well-known director, and all I knew about this movie is it had Clive Owen and it had Karen Knightley because they're on the cover of the movie. But then you discover his, you know, his Knights of the Round Table. You've got uh, Ion Gruffund, which again probably sm- 
killed his pronunciation. <laughs> but he's the guy who played Mr. Fantastic in the Fox uh, Fantastic Four films. Uh, we've got Mads Mikkelsen, who played Hannibal. Um, Joel Egerton, who was in Warrior and directed and wrote The Gift. Uh, Hugh Dancy, n- not as familiar with. But then you got Ray Winstone, who is fucking awesome and yes! a sexy beast oh. and awesome in this movie. Yes, he is. Oh, and- my God. Yeah, and then you got also Ray Stevenson, who was fucking badass as the Punisher in Warzone. Hell yeah. Um, and then on top of all that, then you've got uh, Stellan Skarsgård as Cedric, the uh, the the Saxon, who's uh, in charge of the invading horde. Holy fuck, the, the, the acting pedigree in this movie is just out of, the, like, the, the charts can contain it. It's, it, it's amazing. Um, now again, this was all force. So I don't know how big some of these actors were at the time. Like, uh, Mads Mickelson, I don't think I would have known who he was at the time, uh, but I know him now. And, uh, yeah, I thought this movie was fucking awesome. It's a different twist on the King Arthur tale, unless I am completely in the dark on the King Arthur tale because they portray him here as a Roman soldier, um, who was born on in that land, but you know, gets taken uh, as a boy knight type of thing. Long story short, um, I'd never heard of this version of this retelling of the tale. So I was interested. Um, and then you've got Karen Knightley as Guinevere, which she was okay. Um, and then when she becomes uh, the badass, you know, uh, archer all painted in blue with the... Oh, chills i fucking loved it and then you've got merlin who is the stefan delane which he looked really cool uh yeah i i just i really dug this film a lot and i'm not one for you know like i'm, I'm not a, Medi- a big medieval guy or medieval part of me um i'd love to do a renaissance fair but as for watching you know swords and sorcery and stuff like that maybe that's the reason why i haven't started watching game of thrones yet i know it's gonna be awesome when i do i just haven't it's just not my my first pick for a period film right yeah and uh again it took me uh what 13 years to watch this one um (laughs) you know shame on me i really dug it uh so i give this uh i'll give it uh three out of four stars sweet yeah, I Good. thought when I picked this one, I thought it would be right up your alley. I was like, you haven't seen this seriously? <laughs> yeah, and it's funny because the new King Arthur came out the same week, and I heard it got some really bad reviews. So I might go check that on a cheap Tuesday, depending on what comes out this weekend. But uh, yeah, for this version, uh, I really dug it. Awesome. Yeah, I, I know nothing of that movie, frankly. I was just looking at it on IMDb trying to figure out if I re- recognized the poster for it or anything. But man, I sure don't. I know yeah, I it's got a low metascore, which I'm kind of surprised. Yeah. Maybe I was just in the in the right mood or whatever. But yeah, I, I fuck, it was good. Yes, yeah. Another I movie it, that I, I remember it getting really shit reviews, uh, but I thought it looked intriguing. The whole idea of King Arthur as a Roman soldier trying to unite, you know, Britain like that, it was intriguing to me, and I liked the cast. So I rented that the first mm-hmm. day, like the first day it came out on, on DVD, I rented it, and I was like, fuck yeah. <laughs> yeah, the cast is a huge uh, boon uh, to this film. I think if other actors were uh, put in its place, it probably wouldn't uh, register as high uh, for me as it did. Yeah, another movie that's kind of in that same, uh, I don't know, I guess the same era, but that same style is uh, that came out that same year was um, Troy. 
And I, I, I always hear people like shitting on that film. And uh, I, I, that was the one movie when I saw it in theaters that I literally I saw tons of people walk out on it, which I just I'd never seen before. And so it was always always stuck with me. But I, I actually really like that one. And I've heard the director's cuts even better, but it adds like like thirty minutes or something. But I have not watched it yet. But I definitely want to check it out. But so I definitely need to check and, out King and, Arthur. And for me, Troy, I have no desire to see it. It's a Sandalette yeah. pick. It's got Brad pretty bread picked, yeah. you know. Oh, another thing, a uh, fucking Hugo Stiglitz from Gors Bastards. Oh, hell yeah! He's he's a, a uh, son, Cynric. Um, so again, a lot of known. Uh, you'll recognize a lot of faces in this film, right? A lot of faces. I can only imagine what the fucking budget was for uh, for salaries because <laughs> uh, it, it's like a medieval. Uh, it's like a medieval Ocean's Eleven mm. in a way. Yeah, that's so, interesting. Very good. So, yes, excellent. So, just remember, guys, that we are uh, taking some time away from the Best in the Backlog Challenge. It's not going anywhere. We heard you guys online. You know, we like that segment and we love it too. So, it's not going anywhere. It's just going to be paused for now at round 30 um, because we are going to be looking at the featured films during the month of June. And then episode 100 is going to be a longer, different type of episode. And so, um, we'll come back to it at episode 101 with round 31. We'll talk about what we'll watch uh, at a later point point but and just to give you guys a reminder our next arc that we are starting next week is that transformers arc and if you are interested we are going to do another cinefessions gaming club game we're going to do transformers devastation which i know is on the ps4 i would have to assume the xbox one i don't know about the older systems i didn't look up too much on the game yet um but i own it on ps4 i think all three of us do actually um and, and so play this, play this one so yeah and yeah, we exactly. We plan on playing this one more. Um, and so if you do want to uh, join in on that, you definitely can. Uh, we're going to use Facebook more for that this time and Twitter um, as opposed to the forum. Just kind of uh, keep things uh, all in one or two spots as opposed to uh, a bunch. And so that's what we're going to look to do this next time out. So definitely follow along there and play along if you're interested. And uh, that'll do it for this week. So again, uh, 2007's Transformers is next week. So make sure you watch that along with us. And... If you watch it on June 1st or later, it will count for CSSC6. Definitely join in on CSSC6. Use that hashtag on Twitter if you are playing along. Send me your lists. I need lists so we can uh, put everything up there and everyone can take a look at each other and what everybody else is watching. Um, and so in this time spot next week, we will be talking about Harbinger Down, which is our first featured film for our week one, which is always sci-fi horror. Um, and so that's what we will be talking about during the Best in the Backlog Challenge time slot. So after our main review of Transformers, we'll talk about Harbinger Down a little bit. Not a full review, but kind of a, a, a pros, cons type things like we do for uh, this Best in the Backlog area. Uh, so definitely check that out. And uh, yeah, so as always, if you have questions for the three of us here at the show, please hit us up using that hashtag InFilmWeTrust for all questions you'd like us to answer here during the question of the week. And if you're not on Twitter, call us at 1-302-448-TALK or email us at contact at cinefessions.com. And if you like what you're hearing, please leave us a review on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, or wherever else it is you might be listening to us. Positive reviews are so important to help us grow, and the only way we can get them is if you guys uh, take the time out of your day to do it. So we really, really appreciate you doing that, and we hope that uh, we get more as uh, our episodes um, continue to climb. So thank you guys for anyone who already has left us a review. And another reminder, you can always reach us on social media. We'd love to interact with our listeners there. You can find us at Cinefessions on Twitter Instagram, and Facebook, so make sure you're following along on all three of those platforms. Also, Ash, you can be found where on Twitter? D-H-G-F-A-S-H-E. 
Fantastic. And Mark, where else can we find you? On Instagram at mnadu 2 and on Twitter at Mark underscore Nadu. Excellent. All right. Gents, this was a long one, um, but I appreciate you guys talking Silent Hill with uh, uh, with each other. And uh, yeah, I'm excited for our next arc, moving on to a little sci-fi action. All right. Me too. Hell yeah. The beef is back. That's right. Next episode. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I want to thank everyone for listening to the 94th episode of the Cinefessions podcast. And remember, in film we trust. We'll catch you next time. Yeah.